Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. View KB and Andy, it's the wake up call. Mark D- Mark Dyson has his voice back. That's really the breaking news. Give us a little bit of that voice here. Give us something. Well, we're still in a work there in progress. There we go. It's a it work in progress. Uh, but it looks good. KB's got his all star game beanie on today. I like that. And of course, we're hanging out in the drivehuber.com studios yesterday. You know, we said uh, we didn't care how it looked last night between the Pacers and Raptors. Just go get the victory if you're the Pacers. And that's exactly what they did. We'll talk about that. Purdue in action tonight as well. Obviously, all the uh, all-star festivities really starting to pick up in town. Cannot wait for that. Uh, and I would be lame if I did not throw in here at the very beginning. Just, you know, we say it. Our thoughts to the people uh, in Kansas City. Boy, chilling video from the Super Bowl parade yesterday. Uh, I did know a couple people down there. Uh, if we want to talk about that, we can. But boy, KB, I know all of us here have kids. Chilling video and a good morning to you yeah um horrific yeah awful um can't even imagine you know people going to that event waking up yesterday in kansas city and i mean certainly i've you know know people that went to the parade here in indy and the memories sure. that you have from that and then you know particularly the children aspect that's oh, a family it event yeah um just absolutely horrifying it does sound and we'll update you this morning if anything else comes out from kansas city but it does sound like all the children um, that suffered gunshot wounds, which just saying that statement um, gives me chills. Uh, we'll be making full recoveries. That was the update late last night from the Kansas City Police Department. I think uh, Mercy Hospital, I believe, is where uh, the children are being treated. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't even, you know, sports, not, not to go down this path, Andy, but you know, sports is supposed to be, or oftentimes is the one place where, Division doesn't happen, and you know all types of people come together, and for this act to take place, just um, yeah, horrific scenes yesterday from Kansas City, um, and certainly thinking about all the families and the first responders that were there to help. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, I've used the word chilling. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. It's goosebump. Uh, those types of videos, uh, knowing several people in the Kansas City area, I reached out to them. A couple of them, you know, didn't get back to me for several hours because the cell phone service down there, you know, these are media people that are covering the event and the cell phone service down there was just, you know, when something like that happens, right. it's absolutely uh, overloaded. So uh, obviously we say thoughts and prayers a lot. Our thoughts definitely with the people there. Uh, so many affected. I-, I know just watching some of the coverage in interviewing parents with their kids crying all the way from, you know, six years old to younger to 16 years old and older. So uh, it goes from a memory of a lifetime to a nightmare for these kids in ages five to 16. Yeah, I just um, it's unbelievable. I can't even imagine. So obviously, uh, you know, thoughts there will continue to update you. Like I said, uh, I have reached out to a couple of people I do know in Kansas City, just if they have any updates, kind of what they saw. So uh, we can we can, you know, pass those along as well. We'll come back to that, but that is the national story. You know, listening to uh, other local markets, listening to ESPN radio. I know a lot of television, obviously, uh, yesterday and this morning. So uh, thoughts and prayers there as it goes from jubilation uh, to just a horrible event.
event and the video again I keep saying is absolutely uh, chilling. Uh, there's no good way to just kind of move on. Pacers do win last night. We said KB, it didn't matter how it looked. Just go get a win before the All-Star break. Several guys stepped up. Benedict Matherin out again. I mean, we got to get to him. He was said to be a big part of this weekend. Rising Stars game uh, was going to be in the event. Uh, was it the skills competition on Friday night and everything else? So we got to talk about that. But the Pacers do get a win. And Purdue back in action uh, uh, up against one of the better players. Uh, and Minnesota has a forward. I don't I don't know if you know that Dawson Garcia, who's a heck of a player. So we'll dive into that as well. Busy show. We do hope to have Adam Silver back end of the show at 945. We do hope that happens. Uh, Nate Atkins will join us at our normal Thursday with Scott Agnes coming up at 830. Yeah, and again, things, as you said, Andy, going to pick up a little bit more all-star centric today. We still have three NBA games tonight. Um, so basically, if you're looking for some events around the area, you and I will be both at the Vogue yes. here coming up uh, later tonight for that event. You heard us yesterday talk about it with Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, his live podcast with Tyrese Halliburton and Grant Hill. Cannot wait for that. Should be an awesome time up there. That begins at 8 o'clock. I believe tickets still available. Um, I retweeted that link yesterday from our show account if you want to scroll through that. Uh, if you're looking for something to do tonight, I know downtown at the convention center, you're going to get the TNT show, obviously, uh, Kenny and, and and Charles and Shaq and Ernie and that crew, they'll do their Thursday show from the convention center. So, you know, really things pick up tomorrow. Uh, we'll be at the convention center for our show tomorrow morning from 7 to 10, of course. Uh, but yeah, still a couple of um, events tonight to get to. But yeah, last night... It <laughs> Aesthetically, I don't know if that's going to show up too much on the highlight. Reel doesn't matter at the end of the season. Doesn't matter. It, it does not matter. You just flat out needed a win, and you know that sequence to end the game, the Siakam bank shot, the Shepard defensive stop. Just circle that in the grand scheme of an eighty-two game season. You know, it, there aren't many times during the year where you have a week-long break. Of course, this is the only time. So for you to have a positive taste in your mouth after. Um, what could have very well been a negative taste in your mouth for a week long, and you throw the injuries on top of that. The Aaron Neesmith well, there's issues. injury from last night. It's not good. Um, if it is something that is going to be serious and you know, imaging, further imaging will happen, right shin, right ankle, I believe is what the update was. Rick Carlisle did mention that he walked out of the arena, um, but still, anytime the guy immediately goes to the locker room, you don't see him the rest of the game, you are worried about it. That's the biggest item exiting last night. Neesmith has turned himself into, frankly, one of your more indispensable players. Um, Andy, I I found it particularly interesting. If you just want to watch the first 60 seconds of the second half when Neesmith gets hurt, that dude does about five things for you, and he's one player doing those five things. He hits an open three to to start the third quarter. He comes down, he tries to take a charge. Uh, and it's a no call, goes out of bounds, stays with the Raptors. Then he provides help defense again the second time in the same possession, forces a missed shot, comes down. He gets the ball and sees a little avenue to drive. He attacks the rim like one of very few players can attack the rim on this team and goes up for the dunk, gets hit. It was it was a no call, actually, um, and he comes down, and that's when he suffers the injury. Again, hits the open three, guards like really no one else guards in this team, particularly as a wing defender, and comes down and attacks the rim like very few can do. Like, he is so vital to what you're doing. So, again, that will be a storyline exiting the break, but just found a way. Shepard, outstanding in the fourth quarter particularly. 
Uh, I would say the most meaningful minutes he has had here as a young pro. Siakam, On both sides of the ball, by the way. Defensively yeah. at the end of the game, knocking down some he shots. He's not, just, he's not just on one end of the floor. He can play a little bit on both ends. We've been waiting, I think, for the open threes. Sure, you know, to, to start going right. for him. And he had a couple big ones in the fourth. And then Siakam, uh, you know, undeniably an emotional night for him. Struggles early, uh, but outstanding there in the second half. And again, had that bank shot to uh, stretch the lead to three there with less than a minute to go. So just find a way. I I don't look at last night and all of a sudden think, (laughs) Pacers are back. They're going to be a four seed. Just find a way. You're missing three of your top seven. Neesmith's out for pretty much the entire second half. And now regroup. Because, again, you look at the standings. I mean, you're you're tied in the loss column for the eight seed right now. I mean, it's it's as jumbled as it can be. Yeah, things are real right now. It's a coin coin flip from being a playing team versus being a six and – you know, Philadelphia keeps on dropping a little bit. Uh, regroup, and boy, rest, rest, rest. Uh, Rick Carlisle, after the game, you alluded to some of the things that he said about the knee Smith injury. Go ahead and play this, Mark. Here was what Rick Carlisle had to say. Right leg, lower extremity, possible ankle. You know, we got to get some pictures taken tomorrow to confirm. It looked very scary. He's in good spirits. He did walk off the court with with some help. So hopefully it's not a long-term thing. So we'll just have to hope for the best. Uh, Rick Carlisle not exactly delivering sunshine and rainbows uh, with that. It, it, boy, it looks scary. But it did look, I mean, it, it looks no, scary it, watching. It, it. it looks scary watching, and I think this is now... Lee Smith is not a fake and injured no, human. This is now the, the main storyline for me. Is is the health of this basketball team? Like I, I do feel like the last few games, probably the last three games, I do feel like we have seen Halliburton have that jump to a step. I really do feel that way. So when we talk about him, I feel like we have now finally, as we have reached the All Star break. You know, we talked so much weeks ago about these injuries and would he be ready to go for the All Star break, right? So we didn't, you know, we didn't want to have that conversation. Although it's still a conversation conversation I feel much better today than I have in the really the last two or three games about Halliburton but I am I'm worried about I don't mind saying I'm worried about knee Smith um you know I know you have five six days here uh, I understand that close to a week but I'm worried about knee Smith and then you know I, I we talked to Carlisle on Tuesday and he used the words, I'm worried about the health of Benedict Matherin. I mean, he 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 told us, I'm worried about his health between the illness uh, and the leg injury and everything else. And he doesn't play. And I understand, you know, this might be something for 730, but, you know, we've talked about Halliburton being involved in so many things around the All-Star break. Well, Benedict Matherin was going to be playing, what, Rising Stars game, uh, was going to be participating on Friday night. And, you know, especially with a guy like Buddy Heald not being on this team, part of the conversation was, well, hell, now if you throw a Neesmith injury in there, KB, you know, part of the conversation, you know, were guys stepping up. And Matherin is absolutely one of those guys. And he has now been, what, a week, week and a half, you felt? You know, we're coming up on two weeks where you, where you feel like he hasn't been himself. So, Neesmith and him, and I, I know they're giving guys some other rest, but, you know, Jalen Smith, Carlisle told us he could be out after the All-Star break with the back spasms as well. I'm just, like, it's a worry. Uh, that's my biggest worry. It's not even, like, someone slumping or style or defensive rankings. Right now, I go into the All-Star break worried about the health of this team more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I said it yesterday, frankly. 
frankly, I don't know if any of these guys should be participating in any events here uh, in the next few days. And I get that it's not full throttle by any means in some of these events, but Benedict Matherin in particular is a guy that doesn't do things very half-assed. So I'll be curious if he does participate tomorrow night in the Rising Stars and then, you know, obviously the rest of the weekend unfolding from there. A uh, couple of other items to note, Purdue, as Andy said, 8.30 tip tonight from Mackey. Boy, it seems like that number has been pretty frequent for Purdue here in Big Ten play. They are a 17.5-point favorite over a Minnesota team that I think would qualify as one of the positive surprises in the Big Ten. It's not been an overwhelmingly great year from Minnesota, but you know they were near the basement last season. So uh, better there from Ben Johnson. It's the first meeting between these two teams this season. So again, Purdue and Minnesota tonight coming up at 8.30 for that one. Just to map out things, Nate Atkins is going to join us coming up at 8 from the star. He had a great 10-step um, off-season plan for the Colts that I thought had a lot of interesting tidbits throughout it as he tries to map out a blueprint. Again, we are nearing things. We're, we're less than a month away from free agency. March 13th is when free agency gets underway. Um, some things I certainly agreed with, other things that I gave a little bit of pause to. So Nate's going to join us coming up at 8. Scott Agnes will get you set for All-Star Weekend at 8.30. Adam Silver at 9.45. That's the plan. Rescheduling here with the commissioner after some weather uh, forced us to do that earlier in the week. Uh, any surprise with the acts of Chris Holtman midseason? You don't see the old midseason firings too, too often in college basketball. Yeah, okay, so is this one of those times where I have to be a little bit uh, a little mean and angry? So in a past life, I battled many of college basketball analysts over Chris Holtman. <laughs> you may wonder, why are you so damn passionate about Chris Holtman? Uh, I mean, Chris Holtman, you know, t- to me... You know, he never made the second weekend at Ohio State. He was always losing double-digit games. Uh, I know that's not always the bugaboo now as it used to be. He lost to Indiana twice this year. Last year was a disaster. This year is a disaster. He's three games over. You know, he's been coaching there since 17. He's three games over 500 in the Big Ten. And this is one of the upper echelon um, quite frankly, it's one of the upper echelon jobs in the Big Ten. And the talent level, you saw this if you're an Indiana fan this year and even last year, the talent level, KB, on that team. And we think of, I mean, we can think of Conley and Odin, but I mean, we can also think of other teams that Ohio State has had that have had a lot of talent, a lot of NBA level talent. In recent years, you have seen that disappear. Now, the interesting thing is always doing it in the middle of a season doesn't really matter. But to me, the most interesting thing is, you know, Gene Smith is still the AD there at Ohio State. He's leaving. (laughs) This might be one of his final things. So he sets up Ross Bjork uh, there in the transition. So basically, as they're transitioning ADs is what I'm trying to say. They go ahead and make uh, this move. But I'm not surprised. Everything I've heard, I know people that have known his family a lot. I know uh, he's been around Indianapolis a lot, that he's a great dude. It did not work at Ohio State. You got to win in the NCAA tournament. You can't be losing, you know, double digit games every year. And you got to get, you got to get big time players. Ohio State's too good of a job. To be fair, I think it was just one, right? The ORU game, the only time they lost to a double digit seed. I thought every other time in the tournament they lost to seeds actually ranked higher than him. Um, but certainly, you know, when you look at it, Ohio State, yeah, you think from a resource standpoint, to your point, uh, they should be much better in the Big Ten than where they've been. 
Uh, very curious to see where he ends up. I I, I would think kind of like back end power five. This the resume is still good enough for something along those lines for him. Um, you know this he was actually a rumor. I I don't I, I think it was somewhat serious for Notre Dame last season. Almost oh, sure. like sure. getting out of the Ohio State situation. The inevitable. I think I mean he was talked about a lot as a hot seat guy entering this season. It just didn't seem to be for whatever reason. A great fit. It might be premature to bring this up, but if all of a sudden an opening at Louisville, an opening at Ohio State, if all of a sudden Dusty May's name gets thrown around for either of those jobs, should those in Bloomington feel pressure? Like, should they look at their situation and say, guys, if we really think Dusty May is the up and comer, the coveted, one of our own, however you want to describe it. Should they feel pressure well, about I, acting, I, I, or is that... I, I just, I mean... Yeah, is, I mean is, Dusty, is it too may, early for that combo? No, it's not too early. And, Dusty and I guess may, as Dusty may earn the right to be a name that is coveted to that level. I, listen, I think Indiana fans are in love with him, are they not? They've replaced, listening to Jake and Jimmy when this broke, I mean, they've replaced the the love affair with Brad Stevens, and they probably have moved it down the road to Boca uh, and, and Dusty May. I would be stunned... If the Louisville job wasn't open as well, Ohio State and Louisville are going to be the two big jobs that are going to be open. The question is, you know, which one of those is better? Louisville is a damaged job. Ohio State isn't. They probably feel like they just need to get a coach in there. I wish I knew what was going on there. I just it seems like they have all the resources. He was a well-liked coach, a well-respected coach, even through some of, I remember covering in Louisville, through Louisville's nonsense and the unhappiness at Kentucky and then all the stuff that's happened in Indi- with Indiana over the years. Holtman was always a name that was brought up, right? And it just feels like the last couple years he has fallen aside. And when you talk, he's been replaced by Nate Oates and Eric Musselman and no doubt a guy like Chris Beard being at Ole Miss, a guy, an elite coach, damaged, you know, being uh, at a at a kind of a crappy program. And, you know, th- those respective schools will have to decide if they want to take a chance, quite frankly, on a guy like Chris Beard. I, I am surprised middle of the season that Holtman's gone. I'm not surprised, though, that, that he... You know, if you'd have been gone after the season, that would not have surprised me. I just wish I knew what went wrong there. Is there something that just simply went wrong for him to go from so well respected to, I mean, a guy this year was going to finish this season. If they kept going, he was going to finish this season under 500 in the Big Ten. I think a bit of positive news for the Sycamores of Indiana State we can share here upcoming. I know certainly uh, the other night was not that. How far did they drop in the net rankings? We'll share that. Cannot wait to get to the hour discussion on Notre Dame's two-game win streak for the Fighting Micah Shrewsbury. I, I watched the final couple minutes and Tiger of that Woods game. making his re-debut here in 2024. Gutty defensive effort down the stretch. Tom Crean outstanding on the call. I greatly appreciated that. Notre Dame has won two in a row. I am a happy human here on this Thursday. I, I don't like Crean that being the job they put him on. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, no offense. Yeah. Notre Dame. Are you, you know saying eight-win Notre Dame versus eight-win Georgia Tech is not the game <laughs> Tom on, Crean man. should be doing? Put Tom Crean on a better game Selfishly, than Georgia Tech I was Tech very happy. Dame. Tom's energy through the roof. Oh, he acted him. like it was the final Good four Good for Notre game. Dame. I did watch the final couple minutes. Or God, something. what a dark uh, Wednesday night when yeah, you're tuning into the end of Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. I am Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. This is the wake-up call right here on 93.5 on 7.5 The Fan.
All right, so let's jump into it. Last night, uh, they're in Toronto, 127-125. That's your final. The Pacers' final game before the All-Star break. They'll now have 26 games for the playoff push. They move to 31 and 25. Five on the season. By the way, 500 on the road uh, at 14 and 14. Everyone had to step up. Three players out of your basically top seven man rotation. Here's Rick Carlisle post game. We needed everybody, and there were times in this game where it would 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 be easy to, you know, just shake your head and just say this is too hard. You know, you miss a couple easy shots, and you got a couple of calls you don't agree with. But the guys just hung in, found a way to do it. So. Everybody's pretty happy at this moment. 127-125. Like I said, the other storyline, 36 minutes in the return for Pascal Siakam back there in Toronto. What They had about a 45-second intro video, uh, you know, thanking him, all the standing ovation. There was a section, if you will, that everyone had a uh, jersey on, a bunch of kids and everything. Uh, he was high-fiving, so uh, a nice moment there. A uh, slow start, but he came back in a big shot late, 23 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds in the win. Here's Siakam postgame. Like, you don't want to come in here and lose. You know, like that's that was the, that was the thing in my mind. Like, and when everyone was just telling me, like, "Oh man, like I'm so so happy to see you," like in my head it was just like, "I gotta get a win. Like I can't lose, I can't lose this game." So, um, so yeah, it definitely feels good to get that win. Had to be an awesome night for him. Obviously, you just laid out the emotional state early on, but he was tremendous in the second half. Big bank shot there on R.J. Barrett late to kind of ice it. And then shout out to Ben Shepard, uh, the rookie from Belmont. Some huge plays on both ends of the floor. He had the final stop on Barrett, uh, hit a couple open threes earlier in the fourth quarter, and he was needed. Aaron Neesmith exited early third quarter with a right shin ankle injury. Didn't look great, Rick Carlisle. I felt like at times was optimistic post-game, and other times he was like, well, it looked really scary. So that obviously will be a news item to watch into the All-Star break, but it was a banged-up Pacers bunch last night. It wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing thing. It didn't matter. Get a win, regroup, and figure it out starting next week. All right, tonight in Mackey, it will be the Boilermakers of Purdue back in action. For some, it feels like we haven't seen Purdue in a while here. 17.5-point favorites over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, I know absolutely nothing about Minnesota <laughs> other than IU semi-steamrolled like them in Bloomington earlier this year. Dawson Garcia, the former five-star recruit. He's their guy. He is their guy. Um, the thing with Purdue that I'm honestly thinking about right now is with Wisconsin's recent run, like, could Purdue clinch the Big Ten before March gets here? Oh, that's a great question. Like, standings-wise, that that they've yeah. got a little bit of a gap here. It's a good question. Um, Minnesota see. is 15-8, and 8-6 eight, eight and six on the year. They desperately need a game like this to start sniffing the bubble, though. Um, so they've been very up and down uh, with their you know, win three, lose four in the Big Ten, win three. Um, so, yeah, uh, Purdue, 8.30 tonight. It, Illinois, from Illinois, two games back, and they get Purdue the second-to-last game Purdue of the, the year. Purdue won the first one. They, they did, of course. And right now, you know, it, it, anything could happen. Illinois plays a bunch of non-tournament teams. Penn State, Iowa, Minnesota, like we said, Iowa again. So, I, I don't think they'll be able to lock up, like, next week. But, I mean, they're two, ga- they're two games clear uh, of Illinois, two-and-a-half clear of Wisconsin, and they've already beat Wisconsin. A couple of bubble-related items. Indiana State only fell to 28 I in the that. net I yesterday with their loss. Again, I, I might be a little bit more glass half full on the at-large opportunity still having a pulse for the Sycamores. They're not going to improve that much down the stretch. They just don't play a lot of quality teams the rest of the way. But I 
if they hold serve the rest of the way, lose a great game against Drake in the conference final, maybe. Um, again, that's not the most like reassuring thing, but I thought they might plummet a little bit more than they did. They dropped from 20 to 28 in those net rankings. Where does the bubble line usually fall? Like around forty ish for some of those nets. Well, it's supposed. Yeah, it's supposed to. If you for the be- at large bids. If you believe in that, it's the cutoff is right at. Hang on, they do current NCAA cutoff on bracketologist.com is between forty eight and forty nine. So right now, and you're gonna have bid stealers, yeah, of course, it, that could bump and, that and, up. And again, I think it was last year. Didn't Rut- Rutgers made it one year with like a, a couple teams have made it sixties and seventies in that. So it's not it, it's not a perfect science. They don't totally go by the net. You know how the committee is. But them only dropping to 28 was surprising to me, giving how you know double-digit loss at home to an under 500 team there within conference. Right now, if you just look at the net, the last team in would be St. John's, who I do not think should be a tournament team. And the last team, the last two teams out at 49 and 50 would be Nevada. And Steve Alford's hair that hasn't changed since the uh, 1980s. Uh, and then Butler uh, right now at 50. So Butler, you know, which side of the bubble they're on? I mean, we're going to have to wait and see. But yeah. Lenardi didn't move Butler at all, which I think was to be expected with their loss. Kept them right there in the tournament, not even in the Dayton uh, play-in games. Again, Butler's got Creighton at home coming up Saturday afternoon. And boy, we did tease it yesterday. I'm sure you saw. I saw it. I know. I almost bet <laughs> 8166. Oh man, they got I, I smoked. Took, I took IUPUI. IUPUI. Uh, the Fighting Come Mike on. Davises beat the Fighting Greg Rakestraws for their first did, win. Did you see of the, the end season. of the game? One guy went on the court and stormed the court. There's I did. nobody there's nobody in the arena. One guy. Phil, yeah. get over here. You know, at the under Come 4 on, timeout, isn't that where you go outside and you just tell anybody that's walking around the arena, "Come yeah. on in. Come we on need in. people storming." Yeah, it's just come on, man. The solo storm. He looked like he had a suit on, the one stormer as well. Yeah, come on, come on, Steve, come on, Ben, get off the court. Eighty-one sixty-six. Detroit beats IUPUI. Someone made the joke they're going to be the conference will fight them two dollars and fifty cents for the uh, stormy. Well, Horizon League offices are right here, right? Aren't they downtown? Uh, I mean, I I did think I was watching a high school broadcast. I was like, what? There's yeah. eight people here. Oh, there were seven people there. They're only 26. I did turn it on, and uh, yeah, it, it had the feel of that. Tiger Woods makes his 2024 debut go. today. What I time am is a very that? happy camper. I think just after noon okay. Eastern, All right. he uh, he tees off at Riviera. Honestly, of course, that is uh, one of the very few he's not won at in his PJ Tour career here. Do you like my knitted all-star hat, by the way? Uh, yeah, I do. I like that. So you're going to get one of these when you pick up your credential. Oh, nice. The gear the gear around the all-star The game. volunteers knitted oh. these. Hats. Did they really do mm-hmm. the uh, the gear around the game is is awesome you know the with just the indie gear some of it's pacer some of it's pacer color with the all star stuff uh, some of it's expensive don't get me wrong but I mean there's some good gear around okay, here tonight we will be at the Vogue with Adrian Wojnarowski Tyrese Halliburton and Grant Hill where again we are the fourth answer on the I step test of who doesn't belong here <laughs> we would certainly be that uh, tomorrow we'll be at the convention center seven to ten a.m. For our show, we'll air it live. Adam Silver going to join us later today. Looking forward to that. On the other side, how about a little Colts combo? What does a blueprint look like for the offseason? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. 
and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. We'll chat about that now. Yeah, appreciate you hanging out with us on this Thursday. Like KB said in the first segment, boy, things starting to pick up downtown. All-star festivities, some stuff today. They have the big opening today, uh, and then on Friday, really. Yeah, Bicentennial Plaza. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday events. You might see. Download that app. Yeah. NBA events. I'm not a a spokesperson for the NBA (laughs) events app by any means, but as someone that will be downtown and is looking forward to going to a variety of events, that app has been really easy easy to follow and lets you build a schedule and helps you out from a transportation standpoint, parking, uh, share rides, all of that stuff. So uh, certainly do that. NBA events app is what you want to download if you're going to do anything All-Star related downtown. No, he is not a paid actor. You know no, how they put I'm some not, of those. No, sadly, I'm not. She is not a yeah. paid actor. I will sell my body for a lot of things, but not that. <laughs> for the NBA events app. So uh, get in on that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk Scott Agnes. We'll talk some All-Star breaks and Pacers, all of that stuff at 830. And then coming up top of the 8 o'clock hour, Nate Atkins going to join us from the Indy Star following the Colts. Uh, quickly, we'll We'll get back to Pacer conversation here in about 10 minutes. But, you know, just to throw in some cold stuff, uh, you mentioned it's funny off the air yesterday. We were talking about who we wanted on today. And you mentioned Nate Atkins. And you're like, you know, Nate had a great piece in the star, a 10 part plan on how to make the Colts. You know, this offseason, what can they do to be a contender next season? You know, assuming AR is back and he's healthy and he's ready to go. And I, and I laughed at you. I go, I was going to bring that up to you because I thought uh, it was uh, a good piece as well. I mean, just quickly, I guess I'll read through them just so people know. Um, if you have not seen it, uh, he talked about bringing back Michael Pittman. He signs the, the big four, right? Or he re-signs yeah, the big he, four, he re-si- I should say. He re-signs all of them. Blackman, uh, Pittman, I believe he had Pittman on the uh, the franchise tag. Grover Stewart uh, coming back as well. Extending DeForest Buckner. Signing Kendall Fuller. If you don't know who that is, that's a defensive back. I believe he last played what with the, what, the commanders uh, in Washington, uh, signing Tyrod Taylor as a backup, and then bringing in kind of some secondary offensive guys, a wide receiver like Josh Reynolds, a running back like Gus Edwards. You'll remember Gus Edwards, especially if you're a fantasy football player uh, there in Baltimore, and then moving up to draft Brock Bowers. Uh, if he's there at 15 or move up if necessary, I found that to be interesting. And his final one was draft a twitchy edge rusher, which I know you yes. uh, have Sign been me up. all over. I know you. I, I said Kevin Bone's going to agree with number 10, if nothing else. So what were your takeaways? Yeah. Again, we'll talk with Atkins in about 25 minutes. Yeah, I thought it was an outstanding job by Nate and just you know looking at a lot of things that we probably haven't focused a lot on. You mentioned extending to Forrest Buckner. Like, if you look at Buckner's contract situation right now, Andy, he's under contract through 2024. Now, Nate, you know, wearing the cap hat, he extends Buckner, but if you read the fine print there, he mentioned that that would actually save money for next season. Um, so that would drop his 2024 cap hit, uh, I, I want to say like $13 million is what he would save there. With that, obviously, you'd be backloading. Uh, some of that contract. So, you know, if you're going to re-sign the big four guys 
And again, Michael Pittman Jr., he franchise tags and then mentions long-term deal. A four for $100 million on that. He re-signs Julian Blackman. He re-signs Grover Stewart. He re-signs Kenny Moore. If you're going to do that, Andy, you're probably going to have to create some money elsewhere. I've brought up the Mo Alley Cox. If you part ways with him, that's $5 million. Uh, now, he does it. He keeps Mo, but he does it again with the DeForest Buckner sort of extension there. It's about $10 million you could free up with DeForest Buckner. If you extended him, then spread it out. Yeah, yeah. three for 30, I want to say, was what he had mentioned there on that. Now, Tyrod Taylor as the backup, like you said, um, you know, Gus Edwards and Josh Reynolds. I, I, you know, Edwards, that's a big name to have as the Jonathan Taylor backup. I, I'd be curious of like how other running backs view the Colts situation. Like if Taylor's healthy, you ain't getting the ball very much. I mean, we saw that with Zach Moss here late in the season. Um, so that is an interesting one. To me, Gus Edwards will merit a bigger contract than Zach Moss. Is that something the Colts want to entertain? Josh Reynolds, sadly, he's probably most known for the drop on the fourth down. You know, he he, he dropped the first fourth down attempt by Detroit, uh, the one that Dan Campbell went for it early in that game. It's certainly a veteran wideout. I don't know if it it doesn't really satisfy kind of my desire to make a little bit more of a splash there. Obviously, Brock, Brock Bowers, excuse me, uh, does give you a, a pass catcher that's certainly a weapon that you would covet there. He's just not going to be there at 15. I just do not think I, he'll I be see, there at 15. And Mark, we should have Field Yates on during the combine. Did I see Field yeah. Yates had Brock Bowers dropping past the Colts? Uh, let me look it up because I I actually brought up Field Yates's because uh, I was looking because he had them taking uh, the corner. He had the Colts taking Terrion Arnold, who is the corner from Alabama, right. who, by the way, is popping up on God, a I had a dream about those, him the other night. Now uh, Terrion say that. Arnold. Did you really? That's a weird thing, man. That's frightening. <laughs> Please don't tell Maddie. Please elaborate. What is that about? No, I don't know. I mean, that was he was somewhere in the convention center during Combine Week. Wait, I believe so, he was so sitting you, on a bench. So you know what Terry on Arnold looks like? No, I don't. Okay. But um, I guess my brain somehow <laughs> because construed I, some images. Because I, I know what he looks like in a uniform, but I don't know what he actually looks like. Uh, he did. He had Bowers actually going right behind Indy yeah, to 16. Six, 16 to Seattle, and that can, cannot happen. Of course, that'd be it'd be good sports radio fodder for us, but I think the majority of Colts fans would not be happy. Even though Terry on Arnold could be a stud, they would not be happy if Brock Bowers went past them at 15, went 16, and the Colts didn't get him and didn't even have to move up if they wanted to get him. It's interesting you bring up corner to the Colts at 15 because I feel like that's the position I've probably seen most pegged to them Agreed. so far. Nate Atkins doesn't do that. He goes with Kendall Fuller as the big free agent. That's the big outside of the building free agent splash. Uh, Kendall Fuller, three for $35 million, I believe is what Nate said there. That gives you more of the veteran corner. I think if you're going to make a move at that position of substantial nature, I'd rather opt for that in free agency than another draft pick. I agree. To me, I agree with you I guys. I think you have the young talent you have there. You have several and, of them. And like, Need you gotta, experience. You know, you got a trial and error there. I'd like to see a little bit more experience. And again, it's a big reason why, you know, Kenny Moore is just falls in the category of what you would think is honestly like a must re sign type of guy for the Colts this offseason. I was, um, I've posted these free agent watches to our website, Andy, and this week I, I focus on the big names, Grover and Kenny and Julian Blackman, and I, I tweeted out the Kenny story and someone responded to me, with the state of the secondary right now, letting more walk would be a catastrophe. 
that that's that's a pretty accurate statement. <laughs> like you would have no veteran experience again, and Kenny plays that that nickel slot position. So I think if you make a cornerback move. To me, I don't know if 15 overall is necessarily the path. I, I would not go down that 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 path. I'd look a little other uh, other positions than that. I'd probably opt for something free agency, which is what Nate is doing here. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. Just quickly on the running backs, uh, and then I wanted to bring up one other thing with, with Nate's article here. With the running backs, I, I'm stuck here. I just don't think they're going to waste. Well, waste. I don't think they're going to use too much money just simply because they have Jonathan Taylor on a big deal. You ask the question is, you know, when you talk about a complimentary back, a backup running back, is this a situation in Indy that you would look at? And to me, to me it is. Um, Now, I think they are going to have a much stronger, diverse running game with Anthony Richardson. Now, that also may mean that, Anthony Richardson, and this is a huge part of the offseason, KB, you know, does he rush the ball five times or is it 11 or 12 times a game? So he will be taking away carries somewhere in the offense. We know Jonathan Taylor uh, can carry that heavy load as well. What I would offer is there's always going to be in a running offense, there's always going to be an opportunity. And then let's also not forget the injury factor. Um, You know, Jonathan Taylor played banged up this season. We know that can happen if it's an ankle, if it's a knee, he hurt his hand, you hurt a finger, something like that, and suddenly you're out a week, you're out two or three weeks, uh, you're you're kind of half in the game plan. We saw that many times this season with JT, so that is going to be there with any running back, and we know, unfortunately, it's going to be there with Jonathan Taylor. I like Gus Edwards as a player. My biggest problem, and I don't know if they have this on the roster, KB, they need somebody out of the backfield that can catch the ball. And Gus Edwards does not do that, and they did not do that a whole lot last year with Jonathan Taylor well, either. I, I and and mean, look how their season ended as well, if I throw it all together. Honestly, do they have somebody that can do that? Tyler Goodson is an option. I, I don't try to poke fun at that whatsoever. I, I do think, but we should we should remember, a guy that I was high on when they drafted him well, was Evan Hall out of Northwestern. He got injured immediately. He gets right. hurt the first game of the right. season, never plays. Torn meniscus. So where is he at? Fifth-round pick out of Northwestern. If I'm not mistaken, I think he led all of Power 5 conferences and catches for a running back that final season. It's not the jitterbug that you think of. It's more of kind of a consistent, methodical guy catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, and also, we should note, and this is a big reason why I think Jonathan Taylor wanted to get the contract done when he did, you look at this running back free agency class in 2024, it is loaded. I mean, we're talking the Henrys, the Barclays, the Ecklers of the world. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. I mean, yep. yeah, this is yep. the low. So how the Gus Edwards and Zach Mosses of the world play out, I think will be fascinating. Like, part of me thinks those guys might find a home because they're going to be so cheap compared to the others. Can I give you a name? Jarek McKinnon. Played yeah. the two years ago for right. the Chiefs. Two Very years ago, effective out two, of the back. Two years ago for the Chiefs. If you had him in fantasy football, you'll know. Yeah. Down the stretch, he was the guy. This year, he battled all sorts of injuries. He was on IR until the Super Bowl. He made last year 1.1 mil. 
right. for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is an unrestricted free agent. I bring him up. Now, he's going to be 32. I'm talking about a short deal. I'm talking one-year deal, um, you know, you know, all sorts of different ways you can construct a deal. If I'm talking about a cheap option of someone who is multiple and diverse and is someone who is not like Jonathan Taylor, I like Gus Edwards. He's more of a Zach Moss, though. To me, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Evan Hall is a great point. You bring him up, he got injured after one snap or whatever. I just don't think we should forget about him. No. Like He's still in the mold. Now, you are not a Tyrod Taylor guy, right? Okay, I'm not a Tyrod Taylor guy because Tyrod Taylor is always injured. I mean, the one reason we saw what was... No, he uh, got punctured one time was, by the doctor well, no, to get abso- to Justin Herbert. Listen, he absolutely did. He comes in for me, Gardner Minshew, I need to look this up, how many games Tyrod's missed, but it's difficult because he's been a backup. You know, he came in for the Giants, and they had to go to Tommy DeVito, and DeVito probably owes Tyrod Taylor, because he's like, you got you got hurt, I got my 15 minutes of fame. I, I, think, I think Tyrod Taylor, if he were more available, would be a great backup option for the Colts. But Gardner Minshew was so valuable because, and it, this is at the top of the list for me, because of his availability. I would not feel the same confidence uh, with the availability with Tyrod Taylor. And the biggest difference, you may think it's, well, Tyrod can run and Gardner, you know, he's not going to run the football. That's true. But the biggest difference between those two is Tyrod Taylor will let the ball go. You want to know what's the thing that maybe is the most uh, that you wouldn't have to change with your offense if you're Shane Steichen. Tyrod Taylor will throw the deep ball down the field, whereas yeah, stylistically, Gardner Minshew's not. It just the availability worries me with Tyrod. Right. And, and again, that's where you get into the backups of like what boxes do you need to check? You know, there is the personality fit that I think is very important. There's obviously you. You know, you might need him for a game or two. That certainly matters a whole lot. Do you want to overhaul your offense like you had to do with Gardner? Or do you want to keep it a little bit more on the same path with a guy like Tyrod Taylor? Uh, Where Gardner Minshew ends up, and just, again, the trickle-down effect with backup backup quarterback and backup running back are two needs for the Colts. Again, they probably aren't one, two, three, four on the list, but still, they are some notable items that at some point they have to check off this offseason. Uh, just to remind everybody on dates to keep an eye on, Tuesday begins that franchise tag window. It's a two-week period. That is when you'll start to see those franchise tags be handed out. Um, so that will obviously be a storyline to watch with Michael Pittman Jr. situation. That begins Tuesday. And two weeks from today, we will be at the convention center. That's when on-field workouts are going to begin for the Combine. It's probably not the most pressing item combine-wise, but that is really when I think teams get an idea of the underclassmen into the draft cycle. Where is the draft depth exactly? And that plays into free agency. There's been several times where Chris Ballard has exited free agency and said, yeah, we looked at that position, but we also believe there's a lot of depth there in the draft, so we decided to hold off. So that'll be a combine item to watch here coming up in the next couple of weeks. All right, a lot of basketball talks still to get to. Commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, we had to reschedule him earlier in the week. He will round out the show today, so looking forward to that conversation. We'll continue to update you on all-star events upcoming here as really things start to pick up in the Circle City today. I did a little stroll around downtown after I got my credential yesterday. 
just really cool. Um, all the buildings draped in you know, different all-star paraphernalia and you know, a lot of uh, you know, massive billboards and signage up for respective NBA all-stars around town. So if you can make it downtown, I'd encourage you to do that at some point here in the next few days. So we will touch on that. On the other side, though, more on the Colts offseason blueprint. Nate Atkins had the 10-step ste- blueprint. We'll chat with him about that. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. We'll talk some Colts. Nate Atkins is going to join us here in just a second. Scott Agnes will talk some Pacers with him. Bottom of the hour at about 8.30. And then we're slotted to talk to NBA Commissioner Adam Silver coming your way at about 9.45. I don't know. Me and Mark were talking. I don't know if he's in town yet or if he's he in is, town yep. later today. Okay, so good. So uh, Adam Silver, uh, hopefully we get that done at 9.45 or so. All right, let's 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 jump on out to the Payless Lakers hotline. Nate Atkins joins us following the Colts there for the Indianapolis Star. Nate, good morning. I guess let's start here. Uh, you mentioned next year in different ways, and I'll let you break it down. Bringing back Pittman, Grover, Blackman, and Kenny Moore. Uh, which of those four do you feel confident? Uh, maybe even move Pittman aside. Which of the other three do you feel most confident will be back? Which of the three do you feel least confident that may be back next season? Yeah, that's a great question because they're kind of kind of in a similar camp where I think that their value to the Colts might be a little stronger than their value elsewhere. And there are three guys I think who will want to come back, but of them, I think Grover Stewart I would say is most likely to be back. Just uh, just the fit here seems a little too good uh, for him when you consider these, you know, the, the value he has playing right next to De- DeForest Buckner, what he does to to kind of elevate their biggest investment on defense in the run game, and then the fact that they just don't have anything else to really look at at that position. We saw when he stepped out of the uh, the lineup for six games for a suspension last season, uh, the, their run defense kind of fell apart. They allowed a, a whole yard per uh, carry more without him on the field than with him on the field, and it's you know a position where you, you don't feel like you can trust a rookie given just how kind of physically developed you have to be to play nose tackle and, you know, I think it's a thing where his, you know, he missed six games for a, uh, you know, a, a performance enhancing drug suspension, uh, which isn't great, obviously, but the Colts really believed it was an innocent mistake. Uh, I think, I don't think they will hold that against him the way that, uh, that, that it might ding him a little bit more on the open market. So uh, that's one that I just think is going to be an easy signing for Chris Ballard, who, uh, you know, obviously always wants the trenches to be really, really strong. And I, I think there's a fit there between those two. I kind of put them all in a similar camp like that, though. But if I had to pick one that I think is most likely to depart, I'd go with Kenny Moore just because I, I wonder if there's you know a scheme out there that will value him a little bit more and pay him a little bit more, which you know was front of mind for him just about a year and a half ago when he you know, had a little bit of a sort of mini hold-in, I guess you could say, where he was out there at – uh, the, at, at minicamp and OTAs and whatnot, but he was asking for a new contract. Uh, felt like he wasn't paid at the rate he wanted to be paid at, and he had a nice bounce back season. So I think I think there's a fit there too, but uh, but but maybe less so than with other teams, and, and maybe he can find something else out there that 
that that can pay what he was looking for. Uh, but I think all three of them are kind of in a spot where uh, they're they're maybe not. I, I don't know if they're going to find as much on the open market as they probably want. Uh, that's where Michael Pittman Jr. would be different if he gets away with the franchise tag, but I don't think he will. So uh, I, had, I had those four guys as re-signings because I think they should be back, but I also think it's likely that uh, the four of them will be back. Yeah, the Colts allowed 4.7 yards per carry without Grover Stewart, 3.7 with him. That is a wild discrepancy for one player in his absence this season. Uh, Nate Atkins from the Star, great article he's got up. 10-step offseason plan, lays out a blueprint for the Colts here. Um, You opened up a little bit of money while not parting ways with anyone on the roster. Could you share what what your thought process was with doing that to DeForest Buckner? Yeah, of course, these are just hypothetical ideas, sure. and Chris Ballard knows a lot more about this than I do, but just playing around you with You sounded it, was... smart in the story, which is all that matters. You just got yeah, to Listen, you just got to come correct. It. You got to come correct to be confident, Nate, and people buy you. iPhone okay? calculator, Nate. Beautiful. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of looking around at, like, is there a player that they might want to extend at this point now that you know, this is a very different offseason than last year when they didn't want to extend anybody at that time, even Jonathan Taylor, because they just weren't sure what their timeline was. They weren't sure if they had the quarterback yet. And now they have a feeling between Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson that they do. So I thought DeForest Buckner was a guy that he's entering a, a final year of his contract. It's going to pay him around $22 million. And that's a guy that they could, I think they should want to still be here. He's playing at such a high level. He's one of only three players in the league with uh, six plus sacks and seven in seven straight seasons, and the others being Chris Jones and Miles Garrett. So uh, he's right at the age that Javon Hargrave just signed a massive deal with the 49ers on the open market uh, for like four years. So I figured maybe maybe there's a three-year extension with DeForest Buckner that would lock him in for the remainder of Richardson's rookie deal uh, when you have all this money. Uh, but also it gives them an opportunity if you sign like a three-year extension instead of him being in one final year, you can kind of spread that money out and push it into future years and the cap goes up. That's a way to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think this is an offseason unlike last when they can consider being a little bit more aggressive, keeping their own guys in, going out and getting others because they were just a step from the playoffs. And they feel like, at least theoretically, they have the coach and the quarterback in the window. And so I think uh, – not not getting to a spot where you have to replace DeForest Buckner in a year would be you know, a smart move to try to, to move that contention forward. Nate Atkins uh, from the Star following the Colts here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Thursday on the Wake Up Call. You know, I think what they do at corner is going to be interesting. And you bring up in the piece, bringing in a veteran presence like a Kendall Fuller the last several years there in Washington, played for Kansas City as well. And I like that more so than going there in the first round of the draft. Now, many, many mock drafts have them taking, whether be Terry on Arnold or the corner from Toledo. That seems to be kind of what people have slotted for the Colts in all these mock drafts. Why do you feel that they should go veteran here and not go first round corner? Yeah, I think what happens with mock drafts, and it's very understandable because I've had to do many of them over the years, is you just look up to see what another team's top need is, and then you find a fit in the first round. And their first, their top needs, no doubt, outside corner. 
And so I get that thought process. But I think the issue, like with a lot of these position groups, you're trying to build an entire room out uh, that that's a mix of, you know, youth and upside and experience and, uh, you know, and make the money work too. And so last year they went to the draft. That was how they built their room out with three different uh, draft picks. And then they kept two of them. Uh, and, and one of them is obviously going to be a starter, you know, in their minds and Juju Brunson's a second round pick. So, I just didn't think if they're, you know, the big issue last year was obviously the cornerback play on the outside wasn't good enough, but it also wasn't experienced enough. So going to the draft only solves one of those issues in my mind. I think it's dangerous to think that that's going to kind of solve everything right away. And, and now all of a sudden you can be a contender when you have, you would go into next year if they draft a first round corner and their two outside corners would combine for nine games in the NFL. I think that's just a little tough way to, to try and live in a passing league, a tough way to try to make your mark in the AFC and the AFC South with DJ Stroud and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, it's, Chris Fowler talks a lot about, you know, not putting too much on a rookie. And I think that would be, uh, you know, that, that'd be creeping into that territory. At the very least, I think they'd need to sign a veteran. They feel like they can play there. Uh, but, you know, they got good, good enough snaps out of Jalen Jones last year that, you know, you don't want to fully edge him out either. So I just thought outside corner was a good spot to go to in free agency where uh, you can you can get a, a pretty good player. You have to pay a little bit, but they're not paying anything to the room, really nothing at all until they decide what to do with Kenny Moore. But even Kenny Moore, if they bring him back, I don't think is going to be a big enough contract to, to worry about there. So to me, it just kind of fit uh, the timelines of it all because also what's going to happen is if, and obviously this would be a good problem to have, but if they really hit on this, pick this year and if they draft a, a first round corner then all of a sudden in, in a few years you have you know two different outside corners who could be up for extension in that player and uh juju brents now that's that's not the reason not to do it but it, it is it is a helpful bonus to kind of stagger the timelines a little bit and maybe i was just thinking maybe like in a year or two go back to the well at, at outside corner because you always need them uh but yeah, I think it helps to kind of stagger and have a veteran and a young player there. I think that's a pretty good mix. He is Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, we're about two weeks away from the Combine starting up, free uh, franchise tag window opening up next week. So finally some Colts uh, action items for the offseason about to start up here. Nate, how do you think Chris Ballard views tight end? Do you think he thinks it's a need? Yeah, that's a great question because I, I, I feel like that's a position we did not happen to talk much about with him in, in like an hour uh, at the end of the season because there's so much else going on. I mean, I know he loved at the time when they made the draft picks, he loved Jelani Woods and he loved Drew Ogletree and he was understanding there'd be a, a gap in there and a, a bit of a youth move for a couple of years. Uh, but, you know, now, they're now in a spot you know, two years later where Jelani Woods missed an entire season for these ongoing hamstring issues, you know, and then Drew Ogletree's, you know, entire, you know, future is up in the air uh, with the legal situation he's dealing with. So uh, all of a sudden, I, I think he'd have to look at it as a need, especially when you consider Calvin Granson's entering a contract year. Mo Ali Cox is entering a contract year and getting a little bit, uh, you know, he's into his entering his thirties now, uh, you know, so it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to speak for him when we haven't. Uh, that's something we'll get at when we see him at the combine. But I would have to think if you look across this offense right now, I think you can 
especially if you take a kind of rosy view of what they've already invested in, I think you could tuck yourself into just about every position right now on this offense, even guys like you know Alec Pierce who haven't had that uh, big arm quarterback to, to really unlock their skill set, uh, you know, except for tight end. You know, you would have to truly believe that Jelani Woods will bounce back from missing the entire year from hamstring injuries, and, and they certainly hope that he will. But they also want to have a situation where they have multiple tight ends that they trust at all times. And so unless you really want to accelerate the uh, the responsibilities on Will Mallory and assume that, that Jelani Woods will take a step back, it's possible they just delay it for a year because they have Colin Grants in a contract year. They can bring Mo Alley-Cox back. But I have to think that that, that position is very much on the table as a kind of upgrade spot, especially because I have a feeling that, you know, as he has conversations with Shane Steichen about what he really wants in an offense, that's the thing I think they could have really used was that go-to reliable, you know, one tight end uh, to, to kind of put out there and exploit mismatches. He had it with Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia, and then he just didn't have anything really close to it uh, last year in Indy. So that, that to me is a spot that's like a – there's a clear upgrade to be had there without taking away from anybody else in the room because if Jelani Woods were to break, break out this season and he's your number two tight end, then you know I, I don't think Shane Steichen's going to complain if he has multiple tight ends. Uh, to scheme up good plays for. Yeah, use the word clear. It, it's just glaring that there is an upgrade to be had. And, you know, what stinks about the season, you didn't get all the data on Anthony Richardson. You didn't get any on Jelani Woods unless you think, okay, this is a player who's going to be often injured. Then maybe you did, but uh, that's what does stink about last year, hoping to see Jelani Woods build on what he did at the end uh, of the year before. Nate Atkins from the Star with us, talking some Colts on the Payless Liquors Hotline. What do you think next season, if he's healthy uh, and he should be uh, that Evan Hall can be in this offense and then just running back in general we were talking about it before you came on Nate and you know I am very I, yeah, I brought up Jarek McKinnon who I know he's 32 uh, more of a pass catcher I, I kind of want to see that in the offense you mentioned Gus Edwards who would be very much in the Zach Moss backup running back to Jonathan Taylor what do you think ultimately they need at that position behind JT and how much do you think Ballard will want to spend? Uh, I think as far as how much he's going to want to spend, probably not a ton because he just did it with Jonathan Taylor and the market is set up to where the kind of guys you would look for after Jonathan Taylor, I don't think you have to necessarily spend a lot on. So that's kind of why in this as I was laying it out, I thought Zach Moss is more likely to leave. It's just, I think he'll find, more of what he's looking for from another team that, that may look at him as a starter where that's not possible here really. Uh, but, you know, out, outside Jonathan Taylor, you know, he's going to be, Jonathan Taylor's going to be your breakaway runner, your workhorse type of back. I, I think you need uh, a, a combination of a, a short yardage back like they had in Moss. And then you need a guy who can uh, play third downs and be a little bit more, you know, a scheme up guy in the, in the passing game. Uh, that's what they kind of missed at the end of last season when, you know, the way the season ended with that fourth down call, they really needed, you know, kind of reliable pass-catching running back. And so Evan Hull will come into this year. He's essentially a rookie. Unfortunately, he missed all but, like, uh, just one game uh, due to a meniscus injury. So they don't fully know what they have in him. I do think it's a little different than – like I, I do think they saw enough in preseason and training camp to really like his pass protection skills 
It really looked advanced for a rookie, and I, so I think they'll I think they'll have a role for him. I think he can be uh, that kind of a guy, which would put more emphasis on the short yardage back because that's not his skill set at all. That's kind of why Gus Edwards uh, stood out to me. But uh, but when you bring up a guy like Jerick McKinnon, it is possible that they just you know rather than than bank on Evan Hull being this receiver third down back that they haven't seen yet, they could go out and get something, you know, more proven at, at being that. So, uh, you know, I think Evan Hull surprised them or, or impressed them more as pass protector than a receiver. So if they really want to emphasize the receiving, uh, I think they can do that. Uh, but I have a feeling they'll, they'll go for a guy that is a number two running back that can do some short yardage stuff and at least be sort of adequate in the passing game too. The Gus Edwards stood out to me that way, but Zach Moss, I think is is similar in that camp, uh, some some kind of guy that will will be able to do a few different things uh, without maybe being electric at any one of them. Nate, last last one. Um, I believe yesterday Drew Ogletree was scheduled for uh, court date in Hendricks County. Did you you happen to see anything out of that? I I, I did not. I honestly probably should have looked that up a little bit more before the show. No, I actually have to. I have to check in with that. I had. Uh, yeah, I'd been covering that when it was when it was happening at the start, and then and then I need to follow up too. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see that play out again. No free agents at tight end. That's part of the reason why you know toss that question to Nate because it, it wasn't one that Chris Bowd really brought up a few weeks ago. Granted, he wasn't asked specifically about that, so maybe a question for him coming up at the combine. Nate, great work, man. I thought that was really well done. Uh, you covered a lot of bases on that. Uh, very open-minded with it. So, enjoyed that read over on the uh, Indy Star. And if we don't see you before, we'll see you at the combine in a couple weeks. Yep, should be fun. I'll start weekend in combine in just like three weeks here. So, Boom. Indy's going to be busy. It is. Nate Atkins right there from the Star. Um, I thought it was a great read. And again, you got to be pretty open-minded with some of this stuff and think of different avenues and the Buckner extension to create a little bit more money. You know, the debate over, okay, does this position need a draft pick? Does this position need free agent attention? You know, corner. Uh, we certainly have talked about that, but uh, again, things are going to start to pick up here. I, I would argue the Colts have had the quietest offseason of any team in the NFL. Their strength coach retired, and they fired their D-line coach. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. What else am I missing? Yeah, they didn't replace a Gardner Minshew became a pro bowler. Yeah, yeah. They didn't replace a coordinator. Uh, they didn't have any, you know, sort of drama. Uh, they haven't had any, you know, issues with the player. They have Jonathan Taylor under contract. No one's complaining about their contract right now, at least. Right now, uh, maybe the key least, phrase there. Uh, right now, how many would, teams? Would be the one. 32. How many okay. of the 32 you think did not replace a head coach or any of their three coordinators offense okay. defense okay so, so buffalo did in the middle of the season what is my miami replacer defensive coordinator right Vic fangio uh they uh, did he join them or did he leave them he left, he left so them. that counts so new that england counts. obviously new england. changed uh the, the jets aren't going to change anything but they're the jets did they really keep everybody <laughs> well go ahead mark go ahead you want to take over yeah whatever aaron Rodgers wants yeah he wanted they yeah. really kept everybody I mean, Sala runs, runs the show. Sala runs the defense, and he yeah. loves Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, I mean, normal teams would fire Nathaniel yeah. Hackett. I, I just feel didn't. like if you oh, literally, he's boy. He's I, not going yeah, he I, I don't think we need to go through all thirty-two teams, <laughs> but I would be hard pressed to find more than five, probably that 
fall into the Colts' boat of not having any the Lions. changes the Lions got on their to staff. Keep, they got to keep their staff. That was a surprise. They got to keep Ben yeah, Johnson and right. Aaron Glenn, so uh, they would be one. Everyone thought they would do something. You know, Green Bay, for instance, they were, you know they fired their defensive coordinator. Got a tweet here. It said the Ogletree court date rescheduled for late March, so I guess that's been pushed back on that end. Again, a lot of basketball combo coming up. Scott Agnes in about 10. We'll chat about All-Star Weekend with him. Adam Silver, the commish, was supposed to join us earlier in the week. Some weather issues in New York, um, but he is going to hop on the show coming up around at 9.45. Again, we will give away a uh, pair of tickets to the Dave Matthews concert coming up in late June and a cluster truck gift card. $25 on the pop quiz. Uh, how about right now, Mark? Um... The leading score for the Butler Bulldogs on Tuesday night. Ooh, come if you give on. us a call, 317-239-1070, if you can give, and I need first and last name yeah. here, if you can give us a leading score for Butler, you got four tickets to Butler Creighton, 12.30 tip, Saturday afternoon inside of Hinkle. Love an afternoon game inside of that building. I would say there'll be a little NBA All-Star flavor. In that building as well. Doug McDermott watching his dad coach, maybe. You think he's happy about the trade? He can he can see his father now? He's probably whispering in his ear, why don't you go ahead and jump to that Ohio State job? Uh, sp- <laughs> Speaking of Dougie Buckets, he did hit a couple uh, shots last night. It was important for the Pacers in getting that win. Uh, let's do a morning check down. Shout out to the great Rich Nye, ever the professional. He just messaged me the Ogletree court date pushed back to March 27th there. So thank you to Rich Nye from WTHR. No one better than him for that info. Okay, I want to make sure. I'm right. It, he does do the Rich Nye, the sports guy thing, right? That just wasn't we made that. Because he had been on my station in Louisville really? uh, before to talk Indianapolis stuff. Uh, and I think we just said Rich Nye, the sports guy. Does he not do that? He, he that does not- it all. The man does sports. The man does <laughs> okay. news. The man does, uh, he can do comedy. Wait, Rich Nye does Andy's it all. He's listening to us and that's all that really matters. So I we, love, we, my, we love me some it. Rich Nye. Uh, you mentioned Dougie Buckets. Yeah, McDermott, you know what's crazy? He had 13 points. He played he made five shots last night. He took nine threes, and again, he had like three go in and out. So his numbers could have been a little bit loftier. He almost had that uh, end of the first quarter there, yeah, the half yeah. court shot. He, he really did. So uh, it looks like he got his groove back. He had some he had some open shots. Toronto's not good, but he did in the offense for the Pacers. Going to have some open shots. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, last night, they needed to get a win, and they did. 127-125, your final there in Toronto. Pacers now 31-25 and going into the All-Star break this weekend. One of the big storylines besides Siakam, we'll get to that here in a second. Rick Carlisle talking about the Neesmith injury. Aaron Neesmith goes down in the third quarter. Here's what Carlisle had to say. Right leg, lower extremity, possible ankle. You know, we got to get some pictures taken tomorrow to confirm. It looked very scary. He's in good spirits. He did walk off the court with with some help. So hopefully it's not a long-term thing. So we'll just have to Hope for the best. Yeah, just 17 minutes for Neesmith. Uh, eight points again. Early third quarter, he goes down there. Uh, he's been having shin issues. Uh, I mean, I, I guess you think you hope that's uh, all that it is, but he's a starter and has been uh, so good for his team. The other storyline, Pascal Siakam back there in Toronto. Siakam threw it all, wanted to get the win, hit a big shot late. Here he is post game. Like, you don't want to come in here and lose, you know? Like, that's, that, was the, that was the thing in my mind, like, 
And when everyone was just telling me like, oh man, like I'm so, so happy to see you. Like in my head, it was just like, I got to get a win. Like I can't lose, I can't lose this game. So, um, so yeah, it definitely feels good to get that win. Yeah, pretty cool scenes last night, honestly, at Scotiabank Arena for Pascal Siakam and the support and the love, really, he felt from those fans. I would guess a bit emotional to start the game. He struggled but was tremendous after that. Again, shout-out to Ben Shepard. Two huge threes in the fourth quarter. Got the defensive stop to clinch the game on R.J. Barrett. Barrett was terrible in the final minute, frankly. Uh, tremendous from Ben Shepard and needed without Aaron Neesmith. And boy, again, I said it earlier in the show, it goes without saying, I think Neesmith, uh, one of the most indispensable, I mean, hell, is he the second most indispensable guy on your team behind Halliburton? I, I, I think you make Casey's more indispensable than Siakam. Well, yeah, that would be the conversation. I mean, wing wing defender is an issue, and this dude brings it on that end of the floor. I know he's not giving you 24 a night, but without him, man, you think his defense would be any – I mean, the defense still is terrible. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, he's third. If you want to have the argument between second and third, and, you know, that clip with Rick Carlisle, I know it's after a game, I know it's dealing with an injury, but – um, downtrodden. I don't know the word there. It didn't sound, you know, we got to see what, what eventually the MRI shows, but Neesmith, Jalen Smith, uh, you know, Benedict Matherin, uh, Miles Turner, I, I've said it, and we'll ask Scott Agnes at 830. I, I don't think Benedict Matherin should be participating in any event this weekend. He's too vital for the home. Well, he's also playing in the one game where people try, and that's the Rising Stars game coming up. Tomorrow night to get scratch and claw, find, found a way to get a win. Very important as the Pacers head into the All-Star break. They have the same number of losses as Miami and Orlando. That's six, seven, eight right now. The Pacers have played one extra game. They've won that game, so they are ahead of those other teams. But it is a very crowded picture in the Eastern Conference here with 26 games to go. All right, tonight in Mackey, 8.30 tip. It is Purdue and Minnesota. The Golden Gophers have had a nice season, all things considered. They desperately need the marquee win, though, for whatever attempt of a you know last-ditch effort at a NCAA tournament bid. Uh, again, 17.5 points. It seems like that's the number. Like You just go play in Mackey, and Purdue's going to be favored by 17 or 18 in that one. Boilers do have a quick turnaround. They've got Ohio State then coming up on Sunday, and obviously the big news there, Andy Sweeney, uh, interim coach, right? John Diebler's brother, Jake yeah, Diebler. I believe so, yeah. Give us one more swoosh. Chris Holtman out there uh, at Ohio State. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've been the coach there since 2017. 137 and 85, 67-64 uh, there in the Big Ten. Um, Should I call I just, him and have him on? Would you like to talk to him? No, I mean, I, I like Chris Holman, but it just it didn't work out. There's too much talent that you can get at Ohio State, too much NIL money. I would imagine this is a really, really good job. Interesting to see who gets it there. And then on the NFL side, Kyle Shanahan, he found a scapegoat. Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator there, a day after Nick Bosa kind of tossed him under the bus, Wilkes uh, has been fired there in San Francisco. So you, would, so you ask the question, which of the 32 NFL teams have made a move at either coordinator position? Uh, the team who lost the Super Bowl in overtime in the final moments. Uh, they also make a move. Steve Wilkes out. I guess he and Shanahan kind of had some back and forth all season. So people can say it's not a surprise, but, you know, this is a team that led in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. A couple other items of note here on this Thursday morning. I am very excited. Uh, Tiger Woods is making his 2024 debut. Riviera Country Club. Honestly, of course, he has not played 
very well at uh, Eldrick. We'll be teeing it up. 1225. Who's he playing with? Today, Justin Thomas oh, of course, and his somebody guy. else. I mean, don't they? I mean, it's just because they're buddies. They always put those two together. Yeah, probably. probably. I mean, I mean isn't favoritism that, towards isn't, Tiger. Yeah, isn't that the case? Has it, and Justin Thomas last year stunk it up, didn't he? Uh, not a great year. Yeah, he had a bad year. For Justin Thomas. Speaking of not great, last night in Detroit. Um, well, I, I guess it depends which way you want to look at it. Some might look at it as good for Mike Davis. The Detroit Titans, 0-26 on the year. They no got more. their first win <laughs> of the season, 81-66. It came at the expense of our IUPUI Jaguars. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and what do you say in the locker room after that game? IUPUI um, was getting five I, I think there will be some changes at IUPUI if you catch my drift there. <laughs> it's not like you lost by one. You when get, you're your getting five and a half to a winless team, that's never a good sign, right? I don't think it was because of the hostile environment in Detroit's gym either. Phil was very loud. That guy that ran out on the court, he was loud. By the way, because of it, IUPUI drops below Detroit in the uh, in the net rankings. Are they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, how close to the bottom are they? Uh, they're they're at the very bottom. IUPUI second to last right now. Where's Mississippi Valley State? Missis- weren't, Mississippi, weren't they the other ones? They're the team that's last. They're 0-24 right now. They're the Delta Devils, which is an awesome name. Uh, speaking of the net rankings, Indiana State did not drop too far, just down to 28. So a sliver of hope, I would think, for their at-large chances. I know that number's not going to improve really at all the rest of the season because they don't play anybody of note uh, until the Missouri Valley Tournament, if anything, there. So, I don't know. I, I think the at-large odds, maybe the doors crack slightly open with that, but still, uh, absolutely zero margin for error the rest of the way. And if you want to avoid sweating like Usher on Selection Sunday, just go win the Missouri Valley Tournament. All right, on the other side, Scott Agnes, busy all-star weekend for him. He'll get a set on everything going on around town. We'll do that next. All right, back at it on this. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Thursday in the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy hanging out with you. Appreciate Nate Atkins joining us last segment. You miss uh, any of that, any of our conversation, you can check all that out uh, at the podcast center at 1075thefan.com. Reminder, tomorrow uh, we're going to be hanging out where? Uh, we, we don't know exactly where in the convention center. Uh, we'll find out, but we're going to be hanging out there for NBA, uh, all the all-star festivities. And then the crossover. Yeah, two weeks from today. I don't know. We'll we just be out there on that Friday, probably earlier no, in the week. No, I think week. all week long. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, uh, I think N- multiple days, I should good. say. Good. NFL Combine. Yeah, is it worth being out there Monday or Tuesday? No, but, usually uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I want to say coordinators are earlier this year. Or, excuse me, coaches and GMs, I believe, on Tuesday. Ooh, so okay. Uh, we'll have to see when the exact schedule comes out. But yeah, busy couple weeks here in the Circle City. Andy's going to yell at Brian Dable. <laughs> you stink! <laughs> He's heard that enough. That's all he's heard. He doesn't need me to say that. Uh, he's heard that. Second from year in a row, sure. my co-host will be escorted out of there right after Jake Quarry's effort last year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will not, you know, I'm being braggadocious. I'm saying I'm not going to forget my credential. Now I'm going to forget my credential because all the belief we talked uh, about Jake. So anyway, so that'd be a lot of fun. Lots going on. And uh, and uh, yeah, cannot wait. NBA All-Star Weekend, the f- festivities this weekend, a couple weeks of combine coming uh, to Indianapolis. All right, let's stick with the Pacers conversation. Scott Agnes joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Fieldhouse Files, if you want to follow all of his information. Scott, good morning. Let's start here. Uh, that fourth quarter, and boy, especially down the stretch in the last few minutes, uh, how many different t- how many different times did you think the Pacers were going to win or lose? Yeah, countless times for sure. The fact that you know they didn't score ten points in the final five minutes, and but it was cool to see Pascal get a, a big jumper there. That that was huge there in the final minute and then Shepard to kind of get the stop late in the game. And this is one of those games you just get out of there. Don't apologize. Hope you win and then get to the all-star break. And that was compounded even more. I think Andy, by the fact that the Pacers were down key three key rotational guys, you lose another starter during the game. Uh, The all-star break is finally here in this team. Boy, did they need it. Well said right there. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I do want to focus on the All-Star game here coming up, but I guess one more in relation to maybe just since we last talked with you, last time we talked was Thursday morning of the trade deadline. Uh, there's been some reporting out there, Scott, that Buddy Heald requested a trade. Do you think that's accurate? Uh, I don't know if it's formally requested. I've insinuated basically the fact that he said, hey, look, I'm not playing – let me just lay out the circumstances, right? So he's in a contract year. His role decreased. He went from being uh, a starter to the bench. And he's got to consider, hey, look, if if you take less money or if you take a lesser situation right now, it's going to negatively increase future earnings. So I don't think he necessarily put out what you would call a formal trade request. But I think it was – I know it was understood – he would prefer to go elsewhere to be in a bigger situation where he was dependent on more. That I do know. Scott Agnes with us here uh, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, you know, boy, I, you mentioned it on the first answer um, with the health of this team. Now we know, I, you know, I have felt better the last couple games about Halliburton. Uh, and so him, you know, we always knew he was going to be heavily involved, is heavily involved in everything this weekend. We hope he doesn't play too much Sunday night in the All-Star game, but I, I, I'm not as worried about him right now. You may be, we can talk about that, but, you know, Jalen Smith with the back injury, I mean, I think Miles Turner's fine, but he has been, you know, kind of up and down health-wise in the last couple weeks, and then and, you know, Neesmith goes down. That is such a big deal. Um, and then Matherin on top of it. I- I'm a very strong believer, Scott, that Matherin should not be playing in any of these events this weekend with-, with his health. You know, right now as we go into the All-Star break, I really feel like injuries and the health of this team, that's the number one thing that I feel and that I kind of want to talk about with this basketball team. No, I totally agree. It does feel, I'm with you, a little surface level, right? But at the same time, without the health, without guys actively available for each game, uh, all the rest doesn't much matter. And as these these injuries, especially the sore backs, that's the one that concerns me is those kind of pile up with two, three different guys um, out there. Here's the thing with Matherin. Saturday Saturday night's awfully difficult to cancel considering you're one of the, I know. one of three I know. Uh, featured guys. Now, also keep in mind it's a skills challenge, right. and, 
it could last anywhere from five to thirty minutes, realistically. In addition to you know warm ups or guys jog whatever. through that. Let's be honest. That's not that's not very taxing. The game, on the other hand, Friday night absolutely is because you're trying to win, you're trying to advance, and it's the collection of guys that's uh, your average person who does not know, and they're looking for any opportunity, much like Max McClung in the dunk contest previously. Now he's become more of a name in basketball because of it. And Matherin will be one of those guys regardless of whether he plays or not on Friday. But um, it's been a combination for Ben of both – both a little bit not feeling right, bumping his knee, as I think Rick explained on the show this week, uh, you know, four or five games ago. And then on top of that, there's been a flu or a flu illness bug that's gone around the team um, that also has impacted him. I'm curious how he's feeling just from that standpoint here in the last few days. He is Scott Agnes. He's with us here from the Fieldhouse Files. I want to shift gears to the All-Star weekend. Scott, you were in Salt Lake City last year, right? Yeah, I was. Okay, and if I remember correctly, there were some things that either didn't go well or just, you know, logistically items that you didn't think was the most smooth. Uh, If you could, could you share maybe some of those things that you feel like Indy, you know, whatever, needs to try to do differently than Salt Lake City? Well, the the number one thing that stands out to me won't be a problem because of where everything is, how centrally located. Like you're going at most a half a mile, right, from from a hotel to a venue or to the convention center to another venue. Um, The biggest thing for a a lot of us was the Saturday morning where we'll have um, media availability for a chance to interview everyone involved in these different things, um, as well as the all-star practices. And that was held at the University of Utah Uh, We got on the bus. It took like 25 minutes. The bus got lost. It added more time to it. That won't even be a factor uh, when it comes to Indy. Uh, A couple other random different things was just being in Utah, bars uh, and places. Some of those places shut down early. Uh, I think there was uh, a couple times I heard about people going at reasonable hours at midnight or 1 a.m. on a major weekend with uh, you know, they're expecting an additional 125,000 people in downtown Indy this weekend. And, and places had closed early or were, at, were cut off early. That won't, I don't think, be a problem at all here. Um, uh, otherwise, it, it, was, it went very smoothly. Uh, my biggest um, concern with it, again, is the, is the opposite of what Indy normally does. And so it shouldn't be an issue. Is it didn't feel like, the, like outside of like two or three blocks, like the city was all involved. Or anything like if you stepped out four blocks, you wouldn't know an all-star game is there, and that's not at all the case already here with Indy. Yeah, I was gonna say I walked yesterday from our off or our studio here in the Circle over the Convention Center over to Gamebridge back to the Circle, and yeah, I mean multiple blocks, of course, and easily feels like something big is going on. Is there like a under the radar event, like a must check out for you? I mean, obviously, it's difficult to get into. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Those are some ticketed, you know, high ticketed items. And even expanding the venue of Lucas Oil for Saturday night, it still is not a guarantee that people will be in the building there. So, anything else that you've seen kind of pop up on the schedule you'd encourage some people to check out outside of, I think, just the general walking around of downtown? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, especially if you have kids um, and, and want to do interactions, have 
some like photo elements or shoot hoops at a mini hoop, those sorts of things. And we're, we'll get the full layout today at a media preview is that NBA crossover. Uh, I think it's $35 for adults, 24 everyone else. But Indy, of course, is going even bigger, KB. So uh, for what it was at the convention center at Salt Lake City, it's twice the size. It's like 400,000 square feet. Um, it's it's going to be massive. So I'm very curious of what it looks like when I get in there for the first time here uh, this afternoon. But there's a lot to do there. And I also bring that up because, man, if you just show up at the convention center, NBA crossover starting at like 2 tomorrow – Here's just some of the names I have. Miles Turner, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Roy Hibbert, Obi Toppin, Cody Zeller, Jarris Walker. Hmm. And that's just um, tomorrow, KB, from 2 to 6.30. So I know I realize some fans, you know, haven't got those interactions with players or some want to get the autograph or one want, some want to put a, their, make sure their kid gets in front of them. I would encourage people to check out that outside of um, NBA crossover. I would definitely recommend, like you just did yesterday, walking around, and then if, if, if it's like you and a buddy or, or whatever, um, I would consider splurging a little bit and going to Saturday night. Realize, hey, yes, it, it, stadium basketball is not the best thing. But this might be the once in a lifetime that it's in Indy or that you have an opportunity to go. And you can get tickets for reasonable prices, something probably anywhere from 100 to $200, I think, right now, last I looked on the resale market, um, just to get in. And I think that would be worth it because Sunday, that's going to probably start at like $800. Really, um, is very much a corporate partner type event. Come on, just pull out uh, $1,600. Come on, that's <laughs> nothing. You and a buddy, just pull out two grand and go uh, go see the All Star game. Scott Agnes with us. Um, East- I guess it just depends how much luck, Andy, you had last week at the craft table <laughs> in Vegas. Uh, not very much for me. I did love, we talked about it earlier in the week. Uh, the Colts player Zaire Franklin tweeted out Vegas won when he was leaving, uh, when he was leaving Las Vegas. And I think we've all it been there. It always does. They, yeah, they, they always do. Do you like the East? versus west i know they've tried different things do you like it just hey it's east versus west because i guess i do in the end i do because i want to simplify things i keep in mind that there's probably a lot of casual viewers a lot of more newer newer viewers these aren't just basketball purists watching these bigger marquee events and the nba goes all in on this weekend they'll be so many people from nba.com nba tv turner sports all that sort of thing and what i'm getting at here is what i like is the fact that it's, it's something everyone recognizes. It's East, it's West. You know LeBron's on the West team. Tyrese Halliburton, East team. You know the West coach coaches the West team. Um, I will say I didn't mind, in, at least initially, that thought of the draft. Like It did have that special like drama element. We know the NBA uh, in particular is good with drama and NBA Twitter and such. But it just got too far outside the game, right, when you're having – a draft and that doesn't just last 10 minutes like that stretches out to an hour and then you have a concert and then you're putting guys back out there for another warm-up it's there's no you know it's totally understandable as some guys said last year in salt lake city like uh it's hard to get right back at it when it's treated more like kind of an entertainment versus a basketball game they're trying to get back to a basketball game and so i i think they'll have some special elements in store but i am glad andy that they did restore that. They did get rid of the Elam ending. That's another thing I think a lot of people either don't understand or why are you using it. Right. They did away with that. Let's get back to you know true basketball, and I think that's what they're doing with this. I actually like the Elam ending. I, I, thought, <laughs> I, I, do too. I thought it made for a decently competitive fourth quarter at least or final few minutes. I get it was a little confusing, but it, I actually They also it. reset the scores kind of at the end of the, each quarter. 
which confused it. I think. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was weird because the charity aspect. Right. Right. Yeah, that it was a um, different item that they've done for the All-Star Game. Scott, great stuff, man. Um, I cannot encourage people more to continue to obviously follow Scott Agnes' work, Fieldhouse Files, but he will be boots on the ground for All-Star Weekend here for the next few days. Scott, thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes, Payless Liquors Hotline. To get a little bit of an update, Andy, on where we're at All-Star-wise, I'll continue to encourage people to download that NBA events app. That is a great one-stop shop for schedule of all the events. Um, who's going to be there? Uh, you can build out your own schedule. You got a transportation tab on there um, that can be helpful for people wanting to avoid driving or parking or anything along those lines. Um, as far as today is concerned, we're going to be up at the Vogue coming up later tonight. We had Adrian Wojnarowski on this time yesterday. Um, he will be hosting a live version of the Woj pod with Tyrese Halliburton and Grant Hill. So really looking forward to uh, that night or tonight being inside of the Vogue for that. I, th- I really enjoyed Woj's conversation yesterday. He was, oh, he was great. super yeah. personable and was great. Um, fun interview there. Uh, also tonight, you're going to have the TNT show down at the convention center. So if you want to get a glimpse of downtown, you're going to get that inside of that building. So think of you know Ernie and Kenny and Charles and Shaq and certainly the star-studded lineup there. There's three NBA games left tonight. So that is why the TNT crew will be uh, here getting you set for that. And then Bicentennial Unity Plaza, right next to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I'll have kind of a tip-off event there coming up later this afternoon, early evening. I think there's been a tease or two of a surprise concert maybe later today. So we'll continue to update you if any of those items break. But that's what Thursday looks like before tomorrow ramps up. Convention Center, concerts. Scott mentioned several of the players that will be in the building there. And then tomorrow night you'll get your celebrity game and rising stars game over at Gamebridge Field. Do you know House. anything about the uh, the secret performer? I know you may not want to say it. Do we do you know what type of music? Are we talking country or hip hop or uh, pop or do any idea? I, I think some hip hop. Okay. Yeah, right. I think someone that you've probably okay. you know busted a move to. Okay. In, in your day, but we'll we'll, we'll see anything official. It's a scary on that sight. End. I will I'm trying to think of some of the acts we have seen here from. A standpoint here, musical wise, for All Star Weekend. Little Wayne is performing. Is that correct? Yeah, you've uh, you've Zed who is popular. You have uh, Jelly Roll who is popular. I had the uh, I have the app here somewhere. I wrote I wrote them all down. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I jotted a few down. For some reason, I have hey T Pain down here is Friday. I I don't know if that is one thousand percent accurate. Keith Urban is at the convention center. Um, I want to say Two Chains could be. <laughs> In the area as well. I just love you, Bray. Two chains was uh, two chains going to be down there, convention center. I, I he might actually be at the Vogue. So I get I'd encourage people NBA events app. Uh, Lord knows you don't need to rely on me for that. Yeah, T, info T, there. T Pain and Zed are Friday. That's Friday. Keith Urban and Walker Hayes are Saturday, and Little Wayne is on Sunday. So Lil Wayne is in the venue in the actual game yeah, bridge. Yeah. Is so, that halftime or is that? No, I would imagine that's going to be before door doors open at three. So oh, that's going to oh, be. Okay. That's, is that convention is, center? Is Lil Wayne going to be awake for for that one? Well, three p.m. <laughs> I would he's, hope. If he's performing at five o'clock, yeah, but usually he's performing at three a.m. or well, midnight did, or one a.m. or something like that. I would imagine. I don't know. Also, I love the conversation with Scott. He's like, yeah, in Utah, everything was closed. People tried to go to a bar at midnight and they were ushering yeah. them out the door. <laughs> 
A little bit of a different atmosphere yeah. right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. to be the all-star imagine. game after Utah, I think, is probably a good thing for our city, <laughs> right? imagine the nightlife is. in Utah is overly great. Well, you uh, saw the report. Uh, Tom Habistro had it just the amount. It was like 30%, 40%. You know, guys don't want to play in Utah because of the altitude. Like, they just when they go to Utah, they don't play. That's the most rest, if you will, in the entire NBA is when the teams go out west to Utah. Uh, on the other side, we've got a head coach opening here in the Midwest from college basketball. Should Indiana have any concern about that? We'll touch on that. Again, Adam Silver joins us in an hour. Boy, I tell you, you heard the uh, the tease there by Jake Query. They're having Rick Smits on. We hope to have Adam Silver coming up uh, in a little bit less than an hour, about 9.40, 9.45 or so. And then JMV in the afternoon. Boy, the last couple weeks, uh, especially getting ready for the All-Star game, tons of great analysis, tons of great interviews uh, on our show. So if you miss anything uh, from us or Query and company, obviously JMV in the afternoon, you can find those Podcast Center 1075thefan.com. You would have thought on Chris Holtman well, here I want quickly. to throw something at you. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah you know, Chris Holtman fired yesterday by Ohio State, assuming that the Louisville job will open up as well. Those are obviously two teams close to our backyard that compete a lot with recruits from the state of Indiana, and certainly with Purdue and Indiana, especially for those types of players. What's the better job, Ohio State or Louisville? It's always been Louisville, but right now you could right now you could easily make an argument that it's that it's Ohio State because of, even playing second fiddle to the football program. Boy, I, I, I well, some say that's better. Some say that would take some of that media pressure off of that respective coach, and it'd be a lot like Nate Oates at, at Alabama. I would still say the U of L fan base is hungrier. Uh, they love basketball more. They have a bigger arena. They have a much more rabid fan base. But with come, you know, with, with that comes responsibility. Uh, and they were damaged by the way it ended with Chris Mack. Chris Mack's a name, by the way, just to throw out there. Chris Mack's already said he told Jeff Goodman and company at the field of sixty eight he wants back in. Uh, so you know, Mack will be a name now. Will he have to dip down a level, maybe lower level Power Five, uh, and work himself back up? Uh, I, Boy, I would still say it's Louisville, but it's it's become closer because they have been through so much so much dysfunction going back to Rick Pitino, how that ended. They've been through now three athletic directors. Kenny Payne is an unmitigated disaster. I think what it does do, the reason I would stick with Louisville is Chris Mack, the way he left, looked bad on the university where coaches could say, I don't want to go there because of the way it ended. Kenny Payne is such a buffoon at UFL that I think it's clean the slate that I think big-time coaches would look at and say, okay, finally I can go there and I can win. But I think Ohio State very well could be the second-best job this this time around. Don't you feel that way? See how Dusty May's name surfaces oh, sure. at all with this so. and the implications potentially down the road in Bloomington on that. All right, on the other side, more Pacers talk. Still want to sneak in a little bit of Colts as well. Again, Adam Silver joins us in the 9 o'clock hour. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. 
If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Nine o'clock hour, hour number three, hanging on the drivehuber.com studios. Reminder, NBA commish, hope to have them about 945 or so. Uh, Adam Silver joining the show here on this Thursday. Reminder, will be out at the convention center tomorrow uh, with all the happenings really kicking off later on today and into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday around here, around Indianapolis for All-Star Weekend. Cannot you guys going to be hungover? That. Uh, as well. From the Vogue. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Kevin's going to go back to his I, old I, stomping is, ground. Is, yeah. is, this, is this a thing they're going to be feeding us? Is Woj going to be feeding us? You can't know, say I've ever cokes or walked what? into the Vogue with the thinking of, yeah, I'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling spry <laughs> yeah. before, but... I'm going to go to Brothers after this. <laughs> yeah, age 34 and we'll find two out. kids. I, I don't know. And working tomorrow, I should probably throw that out there as well. Uh, well, uh, working in the morning, if you're JMB, right. then yeah, it's much easier. You know, you're on at 3 o'clock or Jake or uh, whatever it may be. Uh, we're going to dive back into some Pacers stuff again. Adam Silver in about 45 minutes. I don't know if you saw this from The Athletic. Is it? I always mess the, the poor man's name up. Is it Sam Amik? Is it Amik? Or is it Amik? Do you, do you, do you know? Is it Amik? Okay. I, I have. Yeah, you don't know? No. I'm glad Mark knows. At least if Mark didn't know, he said it confidently. So we'll just buy into him. So there is a notion out there, KB. You're going to love this. And I actually don't think this is as big of a deal or as stupid as I'm sure many people think. You know, we talked with Woj yesterday about the happiness of LeBron James. Woj and Ramona Shelburne had the piece yesterday on ESPN.com about how the Warriors, you know, kind of tried to get LeBron James. Everyone was gauging at the trade deadline. They were all gauging LeBron's happiness with the organization. The thought is still uh, that he will be back next year in LA, but LeBron is starting to do the free agent LeBron thing, right? And one of those items is his son, Bronny James. Now, before the season, if you remember, maybe the McDonald's All-American game, you know, he showed out a little bit and Bronny James was viewed at least somewhere in mock drafts before the season as a first round pick. And he had the heart issues, which is obviously very scary And so his year at USC, and I have not followed USC basketball, but he's playing, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game, and he's about four or five points a game. I mean, Bronny James has not been a conversation one second nationally in the college basketball arena, but the Lakers, per the athletic, the Lakers, this is is per the athletic, per a high-ranking team source, the Lakers are willing to explore the notion of adding Bronny James next season, you know, to worry about a bringing LeBron back and be the happiness and the, the harmony and everything else. And while it seems about as dumb as humanly possible, I mean, the bucks do employ Giannis's brother. He who stinks. Ne- who stinks and who never plays and who everyone has fun with. Never yeah, he's playing. the walk-on. Okay? And you won't remember this one, but remember J.R. Smith when he went to the New York Knicks, okay? J.R. Smith's brother, Chris Smith. Played, Louisville guy, yeah, played, sure. Played for I remember. Louisville, and he was on the end of the bench for the better part of about a year. And Chris Smith was a fine college player, but was about as much of an NBA guy as you and I. Okay? And so he very much fit the Giannis's brother mold. And of course, J.R. Smith, not quite the star that Giannis, uh, you know, that Giannis is. So again, 
it is silly. It is giving a roster spot to someone who doesn't deserve it, but it is LeBron's son. And uh, that's just something to watch as his free agency may pick up in the next Where several months. Is Bronny in these mock drafts? Oh, he's not in any, he's not in any first rounders anymore. Is he, I mean, is he in the second I, round? I, I don't think so. I mean, again, he has, he's five points a game. He has been. I almost don't even look at these college stats, though, Andy. I mean, you see some of these dudes that get drafted, and it's like, wait a minute. I watched that college team this year. I don't remember that player at all. It's, the NBA draft is really still like, wait, where were you ranked in high school? Okay, we'll largely bet on you. We aren't going to focus too, too much on that first year at respective college. I mean, sure, there are examples of guys that, you know, weren't, you know, highly recruited that had great starts to college careers and then they get drafted high. But the NBA draft, much more than the NFL draft, which obviously the NFL draft, you have to play in college for three years, it is still on potential. That's why, like, the McKenzie and Baco Khalil Wares of the world, you will have so many Indiana fans say they're not ready. The NBA doesn't care. They'll bet on you if they feel like they can get something out of you. I mean, hell, you just look at the first round of last year's NBA draft, and we had Tony East on earlier talked about this. Tony East said that at not even at the midway point of the NBA season, over half of the first-round picks already played in the G League. It, it's just, it's totally changed from the, you know, we will be patient with these guys. And if supposedly next year's a down draft, then you could have even more of these guys from college. You're like, wait a minute, that dude's entering the draft? But if it's a down draft and the agent says, no, 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 you could go 10, 15 spots higher this year than you go next year, you're probably going to do it. All right, so he's five points, three rebounds, two assists a game. He's shooting, and to me, this is the this is the one. He's thirty five percent from the field. Plays about twenty minutes a game. I don't think he starts. They have what Collier, who is the much better guard there. Uh, I am with you. What I would say is, I'm not sure Bronny fits into the. Oh, he's got a ton of upside. The other thing I would say would be this: if you are a team that LeBron has shunned before. And let's say it's second let's say it's second round and you pick right before the Lakers. Do you pick Bronny James? <laughs> Do you take Bronny James just to spite LeBron? Like, I don't know, just make up just make up any team. If you feel like you've been spurned by LeBron, uh again, the, the Chicago Bulls. Remember when the, the first free agency when he went to Miami, Chicago was a team. You say, you know what? We're gonna get you back for all those years, LeBron James. We're gonna take LeBron, we're gonna take your son Bronny and his five points and thirty-five percent from the field, one spot in the second round, you know, the 49th pick, one spot in the second round before the Lakers. How Might about be that? The third leading scorer on the Bulls these days. <laughs> I'm still going back to Woj with us yesterday explaining that story about, you know, the Warriors, uh, Joe Lake of their owner contacting Jenny Buss about about LeBron and the response from Buss saying, uh, call his agent, call Rich Paul. Like, don't, don't, I'm thinking, wow. I mean, that is a, that's quite the statement Rich of like. Pa- Rich Paul runs things, man. Yeah. That dude runs things. You find out how happy he is here. He's probably in town. I mean this. If you if you said, and I know former players, there's all sorts of luminaries that will be walking around downtown Indianapolis. But if you said, hey, like Loki, and hopefully we'll have Adam Silver. Maybe move Silver aside. You said, one guy might be in town that like, if you could get an interview, who to be with? Rich Paul might be on my list. Like he might be the next guy on my list. He's running things in the NBA, and by the way, he's running things in college too. Mark, someone asked us: Is Adam Silver the biggest guest we've ever had on the show? I hope I'm not jinxing things here. 
I, I am I forgetting somebody? In the the current version of this show, probably the biggest. I'm trying to think. Back. Right, even dating back a couple of years, which you know, I I thought from a global standpoint, and you know, maybe it's more of a media person, but Bob Costas, I thought yeah. was mm-hmm. pretty darn big. I'm trying to think of who. I mean, I, I guess I, I mean Silver is the damn commissioner of the NBA. Did you, ask, did you ask Costas about his pink eye when he was? Uh, uh, I think we the stayed Olympics. away. <laughs> I think we stayed away from the old pink eye. Costas is great. Oh, Costas is fantastic. Well, I mean, you, you guys had several indie, indie, you know, Indianapolis 500 luminaries, but I don't, I don't think they probably shine as big as Adam Silver. No, and, and the few is Silver- that a bald joke? <laughs> a few silver interviews that 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 I've heard. He he's great. So looking forward to that coming up here to close things out. Speaking of closing things out, Pacers did that last night in Toronto, or one twenty seven, one twenty five. Again, aesthetically, I, I don't think there's a ton to take away from it. The Pacers were really banged up, down three of their top seven. Aaron Neesmith lit, left early third quarter, right shin, right ankle injury for him. You hope that is nothing too serious, but they found a way to get it done late. Um, saw a note that they kept the Raptors, I think, to one of their final 10 field goals. That was absolutely vital. I'm sure Scotty Barnes is asking R.J. Barrett why in the world uh, were you taking that last shot there? But big, big plays late. Siakam had the bank in and then Shepard. Ben, you know, w- w- when the Buddy Hill trade was made, Benedict Matherin was the first name I think a lot of people mentioned as bigger role for him and just he's going to be the main scoring guy with that second unit but it also meant expanded time for Ben Shepard and you know the thing about Shepard Andy is last night you can look at the box score and you can probably see that Shepard made an impact there's been many games this year that I felt like the box score doesn't give a great indicator of Shepard's impact last night though he gave you that he hit two big big threes I think they were down six at one point in the fourth quarter Shepard lined one up and hit it. He'd struggled a little bit from behind the arc, and then again, he had the final stop enforcing R.J. Barrett to shoot kind of a fadeaway there uh, to end regulation. Um, he's going to be vital for you, and uh, maybe he gets pinched out come postseason time of the rotation, but for these last 26 games in your current health state, you're going to rely a lot on him, and individually that might be my biggest takeaway from the night. Was yeah. that Ben Shepard made some huge plays in the fourth quarter. What does that do for his confidence moving forward? You know, we've talked about this with Colts guys, whether it's Anthony Richardson or not, where you're like, okay, the the starting point, like on AR, it was, remember the early analysis was, okay, the starting point on this guy is higher than what we thought. Isn't that how you feel, KB, about Ben Shepard? is the st- of of what they have to work with as a player who can be a rotation piece on this team uh, is probably a little higher quicker or, or uh, earlier on in his career than maybe you thought. I think there's two other guys. You know, Isaiah Jackson got his third start of the year. He played 32 minutes and had a double-double. I mean, I mean, they went to Shibway at one point no, they, there in the third they, quarter. They did. I mean, they were out of options, uh, and I thought Isaiah played well. And then the other guy, I know the shooting percentage may not be totally where he wants it to be right now, uh, but Doug McDermott, what I liked about it was, and he was 3-9 and nine from 3, what I liked about it was two things. You know, at one point, Toronto went on that 10-0 run. Pacers got the lead. Raptors then go on a 10-0 run. I think it was late third quarter. They go on a big run. McDermott hit a three to stop the bleeding. And the second thing I liked about it, and this could be, listen, I know Toronto's a stinky team. I get it. 
But the way this offense, you know, gets open shots for the right guys, Doug McDermott's going to get some good looks. He had good looks last night. He had a couple. Go, he had some good in. looks Monday yeah, in Charlotte yeah. too. He, he had a couple go. You know, the go that went in, and that's great. He had a couple go in and out again. But Dougie McBuckets is going to get open shots in this offense, and that's a good thing. Again, will he be Buddy Heald? Uh, that those two may be compared here in the final twenty six games of the season. But I thought just the fact that he got. Uh, probably out of the nine shots, I kind of feel like seven or eight of them were pretty open shots last night. That's a good thing because more than not, averages will even out and he'll be hitting over 40% of those. And that means he's squarely uh, going to be in the rotation. The other thing is just, I- I'm just terrified right now on this team health-wise. Uh, the Smith injury last night, we've been playing the Carlisle sound all morning. Jalen Smith, the back spasms. Uh, Miles Turner's had just some small injuries, some maintenance stuff, but you know you need him uh, as part of the rotation. And then you know Benedict Matherin's been now probably two weeks. Agnes talked about it. Not only the knee injury, the flu that's been going, the sickness that's been going around the team. Uh, just those guys, you know, especially Matherin. You know, you trade away Buddy Heald. So much predicated on some guys stepping up. And I would I just we're all waiting for that him to be one of those guys that stepped up. But last night, Ben Shepard, Isaiah Jackson, uh, McGee. Dermot, all those guys helped them get that two-point win. You know, Neesmith's injury, I thought it was an interesting first minute there to the second half. Frankly, if you just forgot to turn the game back on, you you, you totally missed not only his injury, but why he is so important to you. First possession of the second half, Andy, boom, Neesmith hits a three. Come back down on the other end, Toronto gets a drive, all of a sudden there's Neesmith coming over trying to take a charge. Ball goes out of bounds, stays with the Raptors. They get the ball out underneath, Possession happens. Neesmith again helps, forces a missed shot. Boom, you go to the other end. Now he's driving to the rim for the dunk, and that's when he gets hurt. So in that like 60-second sequence, he hits an open three. He provides great defense on two separate plays. Help side on one. I think he actually guarded the other guy one-on-one on the other. Then he comes down, drives the rim like really no one else in that starting lineup drives it, and tries to attack, and frankly should have been a foul, and he gets hurt on the play. To me, he's more indispensable than Siakam. And, and I don't say that as a knock on Siakam. I say that as praise for Neesmith. Like, given the makeup of your team right now, given the, and if you watched the first half last night, there were some layup lines for the Raptors. It looked like Braden Smith against IU. I mean, it was Br- Bruce Brown getting to the rim, acting like he was Russell Westbrook. It was 71 points allowed in the first half. 71. Just awful. <laughs> Another night where you know Toronto, uh, Pacers opponent, eclipses their average. Obviously, he missed miles, but still... Um, you know, Neesmith just means so much to you on both ends of the floor there. So, um, do we have that Carlisle clip, Mark, on the Neesmith injury? Um, yeah. Let's let's play this. This is Rick Carlisle afterwards on air. Neesmith, you know, right shin, right ankle injury, right leg, lower extremity, possible ankle. You know, we got to get some pictures taken tomorrow to confirm. It looked very scary. He's in good spirits. He did walk off the court with with some help. So hopefully it's not a long-term thing. So we'll just have to hope for the best. Oof. Am I optimistic Ugh. hearing that answer or no? I, I I probably feel the other way, but it's Carlisle. I feel like you could pluck out like five yeah. words and be like, oh, that's glass half full. And then pluck yeah. out another five and be like, oh, it's glass half well, empty. Wh- we we're hoping for the best it is makes me nervous. He just, walked out of the arena. I, I mean, that's I, good, right? I, I, I don't well, know. And you, and you don't feel like it's 
I mean, is it? I guess we we would rather it be a shin than a knee. I don't. I, I, I mean, look at me right now. I'm wearing know. a knitted hat today. Well, I want to talk Notre Dame basketball and Tiger Woods. You think I know medical stuff? Oh, God. Are you going to be locked into to Tiger Woods? Like, are you going to actually watch it today, or are you going to be out doing that other things? That might be the dumbest question you've I, asked well, in the history know, of this I show. Didn't know what you, I didn't know you had to go cover something or write an article on Julian Blackman. I don't know what you got going on today. God, Tiger. Tiger. Andy, I will not miss a shot. <laughs> He's oh, locked God. in. God. It's Tiger Woods. How many how many more times do we get to see him? <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, you never know when the last time is going to be the last time. Now, in all honesty, if Tiger makes a cut and plays all 72 holes, how many over under five and a half holes you'll watch of Tiger this week? Oh, I'm I'm an I'm Because Jake Query was an under. Like, are oh, you a what's that, what does Jake have are, to do? Are you like when the Masters rolls around in April, I, I I'd like to commit a nice segment. Or two on it. We, we can get Bob Harrig on. Would you? Sobel. Are you a like yeah. casual golf yeah. watcher I'm, or I'm, I'm, not even I'm that? Wa- I'm wa- no. I'm watching the majors. If okay. Tiger's involved and it matters, I'm watching it. Are if you a golfer? I guess we no, haven't even I, gotten there. No, I'm not a golfer. And and here's the thing: I lived for ten years on uh, like a like close to a nine hole course. And I'm not a golfer, and a lot of people in my life, including you now, are golfers. My cousin was a competitive golfer, played in high school as well, and I just... Well, you do come from an area. Floyd Central was a damn good golf team when I was in high school. Yeah, and listen, I've had the opportunity. I probably could have played Valhalla a few times. Uh, I've dropped, PGA Championship listen, of Valhalla I, is here. It is. I have dropped the ball in about every single way to become a golfer, and now I feel like as I'm 39, getting ready to be 40 this year, that I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna pick it up. Like I'm not gonna do it. Well, like maybe I, little gas will spur it out of you may, one day. Maybe, maybe you guys will be sledding well, down the 10th hole at Pleasant Run he, in the winter and playing golf there he, in the summer. Here's the other thing, uh, little gas Mason, my son, who's five months. His uh, my my wife's father. They live on a fuzzy zeller course in southern indiana they live on uh, champions champions point Point, i believe uh uh, is the name so like he could literally get probably free or heavily discounted golf there (laughs) as well so again i have dropped the ball on the on the golfing thing i mean that could be a fun radio bit andy sweeney learns how to swing a club one of my neighbors is 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 a pro i forget at which course around here so again tell me more i've had so many damn opportunities kb to uh to at least be respectable that if there was some sort of outing, I could go and not be a buffoon. But I am I, I'm the opposite of that. I am the opposite. I don't mind saying it. I've I've let everybody down. Us three need to go to Pleasant Run <laughs> oh, God. after the show one day this summer. What about Dykton? Mark, what about you? I don't think it's very Yeah. Turn your mic on. Oh, I'd help. Yeah. You usually oh. do your annual outing up in uh Yeah. Well, and with three kids it's hard to get out there and stuff, but my clubs are in my garage and oh, I'd you be... went you went with your, your dad, didn't you? Not too yeah, long ago. Yeah, my dad and brothers, yeah, my that's uncles what I and stuff, and then I when uh, Ashley and the girls were in Florida, I did I did some uh, Eagle Creek golfing and all that stuff. There you go. Eldrick okay. Woods, 1225 today, his 2024 debut. Can I play you one other piece of sound here before we get to a morning sure. check down? Just because it's too long uh, for the morning check down. It, again, this is, about, this is about a minute and five seconds or so. But I, I thought it was pretty heartfelt. So Pascal Siakam, obviously, he has a big shot down the stretch that really helped win the game for the Pacers. Uh, he got such a great reception. Uh, you know, fans wearing his jerseys, little kids wearing his jerseys, had a video for him before the game and everything. Again, it's a little over a minute, but, you know, Siakam was humbled by everything, I guess you could say, post game. 
I tried to like, you know, just, just kind of stay focused on the game and not think about anything as much as I could, but it's just hard, you know, just coming in there, seeing so many familiar faces. Um, and to me, it's just like reflecting on everything, like from where I come from, man, like just to be here in a place like this, I came here as a, as a young kid, um, didn't know what to expect. I like, I remember going to the store, they didn't have my jersey in there. Um, like, I, like it just, it was just, you know, like nobody really knew what to expect from me. Um, and for me to come in here and like after eight years, like just to see the reception, like people being so genuinely just happy for me. Like, I think for me, that was the most important thing. Just like, I got so many messages from people just like, just genuine love. Like, and, and to me, that means everything, um, to see that whole section with my jerseys, like, yeah, like that almost got me right there. Cause, cause it's just like. Like, I couldn't really never dreamed of that, you know, like, and, and to have that, man, means a lot. Uh, so I appreciate everyone just, just for everything. Um, it definitely means a lot. Like, you know, I'm humbled and, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't really like imagine that, 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 that kind of, um, reception. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thanks to everyone. It was a really, really cool scene last night if, if you miss it i assume they usually do bally sports i would encourage you to check out their twitter page they usually tweet out the post-game interview on court jeremiah johnson and pascal siakam post-game just great work by jj in that and, and just kind of teeing siakam up and and you see the emotion and just um you watch it and again bally did a great job just camera work wise and getting siakam honored before the game and it was fun to watch the people around him, like the on-floor event people and their genuine smiles on the face. Like this is, you know, the Paul George return did not feel like that. The the Victor Oladipo return, even that, didn't feel like that. It's hard, frankly, to create that and to have a player, accomplished player, exit, make his return, and have that love and the showering of it for him. Uh, that was fun to see last night for Pascal Siakam. I can only imagine and he the emotions well. going through him. Yeah, I, second I, half he played I, well. I felt yeah. bad early on. I'm like, oh boy, you can see he, <laughs> right. he he was kind of pressing a bit, but then once he settled in, he was great and had a big bucket there in the final minute to help ice that one. All right, Adam Silver in about 15 uh, cluster truck gift card and Dave Matthews Band tickets were given away in about five for the pop quiz. So three one seven two three nine ten seventy for that morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. Yeah, we can be quick on this one. 127-125, that's your final last night. Pacers end, uh, you can say the first half uh, before the All-Star break, at 31-25, and beating Toronto last night. Siakam had the big shot down the stretch. 23 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists in the win there. What was it, 7? players in double figures. Ben Shepard, Isaiah Jackson, a bunch of guys that we've praised. Again, 127, 125. That's your final. 14 and 14 on the road. That's how they end uh, everything before the All-Star break do the Pacers. And again, like a coin flip right now. They're the eight seed. I mean, that's how close it is right now. They're tied. Lost column with Miami and Orlando, who are both right behind Indiana. Technically six. That's where the Pacers are entering the All-Star break. Uh, 26 to go. A lot of home games out of the break, starting with the lowly Detroit Pistons. All right, tonight in Mackey, it will be the Boilermakers of Purdue back in action. Their first game with Minnesota this season. Uh, Aaron tweeted this at us. Minnesota has a nation's best 20-3 and record against the spread. 
this season. That's a good little nugget. How about that from okay. Aaron? Thank and they're you, Aaron. getting 17 and a half inside of Mackey. Okay. Uh, granted, Purdue just <laughs> it's a different animal, but we'll see how that one plays out for Ben Johnson's bunch there. So 8.30 tonight for the Boilermakers. Uh, they'll turn around, play Ohio State Sunday, Indiana back in action with Northwestern on Sunday. Really unfortunate news to see Ty Berry out for the year for the Wildcats. Mm. Purdue fans will certainly remember yeah. his 25-point oh, night a big time player. in Mackey. That's a big loss for the Wildcats. They look comfortably in the tournament, of course, but still, that's a big loss for Boo Booey in that backcourt. Yeah, just quickly, Steve Wilkes out as defensive coordinator there with the San Francisco 49ers, and Chris Holtman uh, fired yesterday there at Ohio State. So Ohio State basketball, Big Ten foe for Indiana, will be looking for the next head coach of the Buckeyes here. They'll get a, a head start. Start, if you will, firing him in mid-February. All right, Adam Silver in about 15 before that. Pop quiz, 317-239-1070. Cluster truck gift card, 25 bucks. Dave Matthews Band pair of tickets. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Giving away that next. All right, we're going to be quick with the pop quiz. So we hope to have NBA Commissioner Adam Silver joining us here uh, at uh, at about 945 or so. All right, so the normal thing, if you get five out of five right, whoever gets picked here gets the uh, and wins the Jiffy Lube oil change. But if you get chosen just to be our contestant today on the pop quiz, you're going to get that $25 gift card to Cluster Truck. We love Cluster Truck. And then you're going to get two tickets to Dave Matthews Band at Ruoff coming up in June. Uh, so some pretty good prize packages here for the pop quiz today. I'm going to have Kevin Bowen be the bad guy today. He is going to pick the caller number. And uh, so if you don't get picked, blame him. Tiger will make five birdies in today's opening no. round. No. I'm optimistic here. Mark, you said you needed three for your bet. Is that right? Three or more, yeah. Three or more. I'll say five. Caller five is who? Jake. Oh, jeez. Not. Jake? Hey, Good morning. You got the same name as Jake Query. Thoughts? <laughs> you knew it wasn't him. It's a great name. Now, Jake's real name, uh, Jason, correct? Mark Dyson? Uh, correct. Jake, is your real name Jacob? Nope, it's Jake, actually, on my birth certificate. Really? Yep. Interesting. There, there can't be too many of those out there. No, I know. Yeah. I like it. Well, congrats on the Cluster Truck gift card. Congrats on Dave Matthews. How many times have you seen DMB in concert? Once, but really? it's been about 12 years, 13 years. So it's been a while. Boy, well, yeah. if you get a lawn ticket, get there early. The high schoolers will be making out up on the fences back there at Dave Matthews. <laughs> 1,000%. Uh, Andy Sweeney, go ahead and throw number one well, at Jake. If you don't have any sandals, you may need to buy some sandals for DMB as well. All right, question number one. The Pacers head to the All-Star break following a two-point win over the Raptors last night in Toronto. You know the question's coming. Who was the leading scorer in the game? This guy's very good, He by is the way. good. Uh, was it Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Halliburton, R.J. Barrett? Hmm. Trying to think. I didn't get to catch much much of the game last night. Florida State, uh, right, for him? Yeah, one Scotty year. Barnes. Say that again, Jake. Scotty Barnes. 
Number two here, NBA All-Star Weekend almost upon us. Larry Bird won the first five three-point contests in 86, 87, and 88. Only one other player has won the three-point contest three times. Is it Steph Curry, Mark Price, Craig Hodges, or Peja Stojakovic? Peja? Gosh, Peja's shooting stroke was so beautiful. It really was. Uh, qu- where's his son play? I'm blanking. Oh, I forgot yeah, he was a yeah, big recruit. He was. He's yeah. a four-star. Right, question number three, qualifying for Sunday's Daytona 500 took place last night. Who is on the poll for this weekend's great American race? Is it Michael McDowell, Austin Sindrick, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano? Uh, Joey Logano. Nice work there, You're buddy. Pretty Jay. good. Jake, on this day in 81, we'll stick with the uh, auto racing. Richard Petty won the Daytona 500 for the seventh and final time. Who is second on the Daytona 500 wins list with four? Is it Cale Yarborough, Bobby Allison, Jeff Gordon, or Denny Hamlin? Uh, Denny Hamlin. You sure? No. Um, <laughs> Jeff Gordon. You sure? <laughs> What were the other two answers? <laughs> Kale Yarborough or Bobby Allison? Bobby Allison. Are you sure? <laughs> I don't no. think hey, I don't I think you're sure. Kale Yarborough. I know. Good job. I, uh, the, the last name was tough. Yeah. <laughs> Question number five. Last one here. Uh, Canada dominated early Olympic ice hockey, winning the gold medal in the first four Winter Olympics and six. Of the first seven. Now, on this day in 1936, this team broke the Canadian streak. Who won the gold medal in ice hockey in the 1936 Winter Olympics? Was it the United States, Great Britain, Germany, or Switzerland? Good luck. Great Britain. I was going to say, I don't think of this country as hockey. Um, little hand-holding for Jake, but pretty darn good yeah, outside okay. of that. Oh, there's a shock. Scotty Barnes, 29 <laughs> points there. Pray for Shannon. Uh, Scotty Barnes, 29 last night. He's Let's good. go! Very good. Both ends of the floor. Tremendous. Uh, Joey Logano, and we eventually uh, see, yeah, got to Mr. Yarborough. Yeah! He got number five right. I would not have gotten Great Britain. That would not have been my guess there. No. For number five. But number two, Andy Sweeney, not Oh, this Peja. killed me. It's Craig Hodges, come on. He didn't, he, he didn't have a team. Oh, he didn't have 90, a team. 90, 91, 92. Did you happen to see the dunk contest judges for the, uh, oh, Saturday night? I did. I know Mitch Richmond was one. I can't, was Dr. J one? I can't remember. I saw the list, but I didn't digest the list. So Dominique is the obvious one, of course. He will be one of the five. They always do a little local flavor yeah. with it, so you'll get the former Pacer dunk contest. Did Glenn Robinson Jr. ever win it? Scotty, he just participated in it. Fred Jones in 04, and of course, Dr. Dunk, Darnell Hillman, the great, he uh, is going to be one of the contestants. And then Gary Payton and Mitch Richmond okay, yeah, to I round like out the quintet. Payton and Richmond, I get their former All-Stars. I don't know. Maybe I would like to have seen a little bit more of a, I don't know, like a Jermaine O'Neal. By yeah. the way, Jermaine O'Neal going to be on with Jake and Jimmy. Is that correct? Yeah, it's going to be Friday in the 1 o'clock hour, okay. just to promote that. Jermaine, Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, Friday at 1 o'clock. I think they have Rick Smiths today. I'm not sure what time, but they do have Rick Smiths today. The Dunkin' Dutchman. Pacers big men lineage there. Are you going with Mac McClung, or are you going to bet elsewhere? I'll go with McClung. Yeah, I'm going to go with my guy. He's the heavy favorite. I know. Oh, oh, is he? I'm not going to bet on this, but yeah, I'll go with McClung. Jalen Brown, the first NBA All-Star to compete in the dunk contest since DeAndre Jordan 
in 2017. So it'll be McClung. Uh, you'll get uh, De- or Jalen Brown, of course, and then Jacob Toppin, the little brother to Obi Toppin, and Jaime Hawkes, the yeah. UCLA product. That's had a, a nice rookie season one. with the Heat. That's I, I don't think of him as as a high riser. Now Jacob Toppin, no one's ever. I've seen him play at Kentucky. He is a high, I mean, he can listen. You know how Obi can dump Jake uh, dunk. Jacob can get up. Uh, I I think he. You Will know, we he, get Obi throwing him a pass? You ha- maybe you have to. You have to. He's going to incorporate his brother. Has to in multiple dunks. He would be my uh, my uh, my dark horse, if you will. Would be Jacob Toppin, just because nobody knows who he is. And again, the three point shootout, star studded. Damian Lillard, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Malik Beasley, Laurie Markkinen, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, and Carl Anthony Towns. That's a former winner, Carl Anthony Towns. I was shocked to see Halliburton's odds plus six fifty. Donovan Mitchell was the only one with worse odds. I'm like, didn't Halliburton hmm. have like? 31 in a round last year, I seem to remember. Halliburton's release may be a tad slow. Yeah, but, but, still, but I mean, last he, year was great at I know, it. So. I know. He's runner-up, was he not? All right. So, hoping to have the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, Adam Silver. Probably the smartest guest we've ever had on the show. He'll join us to round things out. All right, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, uh, we're waiting on him. Hope, uh, hopefully he joins us here in the next couple minutes. Final segment of the show. Again, you miss any of our conversations. We need Atkins on earlier talking some Colts. Scott Agnes as well. Tons of good conversation. You can find it all at uh, 1075thefan.com. So we uh, very much appreciate that. I think Mark is talking uh, to the commish right now. And, boy, uh, it's, it would be good to have him on. There's so much to talk about with the NBA. Yeah, it cannot really wait. Is. Again, walking around downtown just awesome sightseeing yesterday and again we'll be up tonight uh, at the Vogue Tyrese Halliburton Adrian Wojnarowski Grant Hill tweeted out a link to those tickets you can check that out on my Twitter page but uh, really looking forward to the next Four days here in our city. Uh, we will be there to ramp the crowd up. That's uh, that's that's what we've been told. So we'll do that. All right, let's go on out. Uh, going out to the Payless Liquors Hotline, Commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, joining us here on this Thursday. Commissioner, thank you so much for carving out uh, a couple minutes. There's real excitement here, not only with this team, but the All Star Weekend coming up, and uh, we know all the events are going on right now. What does the state? What does the city mean to the NBA? And I guess you're your excitement for the big weekend here in Indianapolis. Yeah, well, well, let me begin by by apologizing for missing my window on Tuesday morning. We had some snow in New York, and my trip got delayed a little bit. But I'm I'm here now, and I'm thrilled. You know, as I've said before, to me, first of all, Indianapolis, and I'd say for the whole state, but, but like this is the city and state that work. You know, I travel all over the place. You got you know a, a governor and a mayor and a state legislature that work well with each other, that they came together for this event. Uh, You know, we got delayed by a few years because of COVID, but everybody hung in there and and used the opportunity to make some upgrades um, to the the Gainbridge Fieldhouse and to the area around there. You know, obviously we're taking advantage of Lucas Oil while we're here. It's a city where everything's proximate, so people can walk to events. We got nice weather for being in town. And the whole NBA community is coming together. You know, the issue in our sport, of course, is we don't have a neutral site uh, world, you know, a neutral site Super Bowl or a neutral site big event other than All Star. So people mark their calendars, and and honestly, people from all over the world, not just from the uh, U.S., 
come to Indianapolis because they want to be with their partners. They want to be with the team personnel. They want to be with, you know, business associates of the league. So it's just an, a, a multi-day celebration. And as I said, I'm thrilled to be here. He is the commissioner of the NBA. He is Adam Silver with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Commissioner, I know you've been at a couple of Pacers games already this season. Certainly you've been to Indy before. What do you think separates this All-Star game from others that your league has held? Well, you know, I'll be I'll begin by saying we started this season with what we were calling our, our back-to-basketball theme uh, led by Joe Dumars who is our head of basketball operations, who recently came to the league office, but of course, you know, multiple championships in, you know, Detroit, both as a player and then as a general manager. And, and I think rightfully so, he wanted to make sure that basketball was front and center in everything we do. Now, that sounds like such an obvious proposition, but if you look at some prior All-Stars, people could fairly say maybe we, we skewed a little bit more towards the entertainment than the basketball. And I think the notion in coming back to Indiana, of all places, the heartland of basketball, was let's return to the traditional format. Let's go back to East versus West. Let's have a 48-minute game, and let's get together with the players and, on one hand, acknowledge that we're not expecting finals-like intensity, but let's put on a good show for the fans. It's not just for the, the, the ticket buyers here in Indianapolis, but there's a huge global audience. People, well over 200 countries, will be watching this game. And, and, and let's demonstrate for fans globally what your unique and special talents are, which include playing a little bit of defense. <laughs> I think it's good. I, I think it's great. Uh, I love some of the traditional stuff that's been brought back, and I think it's just going to be a great weekend. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, with us here on the fan on this Thursday. I guess I, I'll ask you this, just because Tyrese Halliburton has been asked about it and he's talking about it that 65 game threshold that's in the new CBA supermax deals postseason awards uh, it affects all of that what have you made about some of the grumbling from some players maybe even specifically Halliburton on that subject let me begin by saying it was not unanticipated because when we sat down with the players association to come up with this new rule the operating premise, and there was not a lot of disagreement across the table, was that we need our star players on the floor. Um, part of it is not only we don't want to disappoint our fans, but there was a recognition that if, when we looked at the data over the last, frankly, two or three decades, despite immense improvements in medical care, improvement in facilities, Addition, additional assistant coaches and trainers and, and every possible category that, that relates to player care, those numbers were just continuing to go down every season. Part of it was the so-called load management uh, and, and tactical resting. But I think back to this theme of Joe Dumars, not just back to basketball, but I, I, I see him sort of with his hand gently pounding the table saying we are an 82 game league we are an 82 game league and we and the players and teams are all in this together and so he said on one hand a certain amount of resting we recognize is appropriate and of course there are going to be injuries during the season so i can't claim it was scientific but we we all compromised essentially on the 65 game limit which is 80 percent of the season and we said for players to be eligible for certain awards, and with those awards, awards come certain financial uh, bonuses. That 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 is a fair line. Now, I of course, in, in adopting a rule like that, 
there were going to be some players that were going to fall below the line. And, I, you know, I'd only say, you know, I've talked directly to Tyrese. I, I, I think he's, you know, in, in our direct conversations, he, he's been very – he's been a gentleman about it. I get his disappointment, um, and I understand it. First of all, he hasn't missed the 65 threshold yet. You know, he, he, he would still need to miss a few more games not to make that line. And what I've said to him and what I've said to Andre Iguodala, the former player who's now um, the head of the Players Association, let's wait till the end of the season and and reassess where we are. As I said, 65 games, um, there was no magic behind that number. But but when you think of it in a, as a collective matter, and that's what my job is, and that's ultimately what Andre Iguodala's job is, to think what's in the best interest of the fans, the 30 teams, and the 450 players, it's working so far in that if you look at the number of games that all-star players are playing up till this essentially midpoint of the season, it's up significantly. The guys are responding to the incentives. And, and, and of course, the reason for finding that, that, that 80% line was we didn't want to go too high and have guys saying, well, now I'm forced to play through injuries, and we didn't want to go too low where it didn't matter. And so if at least, you know, halfway through first season with this new rule, on a collective basis, it seems to be working. But, of course, I'm sympathetic to, to Tyrese. And as I said, at the end of the season, let's look at how it all turned out and sit down with the Players Association and see if we need to make any adjustments. The NBA world calling Indianapolis home. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, is here in Indy through the remainder, obviously, of All-Star Weekend, about to get busy, busy in the Circle City. Commissioner, I'd say the other thing locally, Pacers fan-centric, that's been a very popular topic dating back probably over a year now, is how we consume Pacers games from a TV streaming standpoint. The regional sports network I know has been a big issue league-wide on top of that. How do you foresee the future, uh, again, maybe of the smaller market teams or the Pacers, for example, in our ability to watch them from a TV streaming standpoint? Um. We need a longer show, but we can go as long as you need. <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. Hopefully, without boring your listeners. Um, it's a, it's a. I'll begin by saying it's a fascinating issue because, sort of, in my evolution as a fan, as a TV watcher, we went largely from a world where, you know, you know, I'm in my early 60s, where it was almost exclusively broadcast television. Then we went to early days of some cable. Then satellite came along. Then we came to a point where people largely received even broadcast television through cable or satellite. And now along comes the disruption of the Internet. And sometimes people forget. I, I think back, we've been doing these technology summits for now 24 years. We, we started it in San Francisco, um, literally back to 24 years ago when our All-Star game was, was in Oakland, and talking about the impact of technology on sports. And when you think about the Internet as a disruptor, you know, and it's disrupted so many aspects of our lives. Or just think about in the NBA, it's disrupted the ticketing business completely. You know, it used to be called scalping, the secondary market now. You know, there's, there's, you know, adjustable pricing. There's all kinds of things we can do differently now. The Internet, we can do merchandising, e-commerce, you, you name it. But what people forget sometimes is streaming is really just Internet TV. And so streaming is inter- has disrupted the sort of traditional cable and satellite television, that, that bundle that we all had been paying a monthly amount for, in, 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 at the end of the day, potentially a very pro-consumer way. And it's pro-consumer in that before you paid a set price and you got a lot of channels 
that you weren't watching. It was just the nature of it. That's that's how television was packaged. Then along comes streaming services and says, oh, you don't want all that programming. You can buy just these channels or there's things called skinny bundles and cable. And it had a big impact on the sports business because while live sports is holding up better than any other content, you know, that, that's delivered on television. And my God, just look at that Super Bowl rating they just got. Um, on the on the other hand, there are people who were paying for regional sports networks, paying for ESPN or TNT that weren't watching it. So that it, it connects also to the 65 game rule, because what I've said to the players in the old days, People just paid for cable, and we were paid regardless of people whether people were watching it. These days, when your, your, your television is streamed, you don't have to call your cable company and have them roll a truck to connect you or, you know, or disconnect you. It's just click, and you've decided that, you, that you're no longer going to receive that service. So we constantly have to be putting our best foot forward. Now, I, I would say there's a lot of positive that comes from this transition as well. One, we can produce games using Internet protocol in ways nobody ever thought possible, personalizing the games, customizing the games, giving people feeds, following particular players, getting audio commentary that is personalized to you. There's all kinds of wonderful things that will come from these changes. But what we're seeing is enormous amount of disruption. I, I, I think ultimately – the, the fans will win because in the old days, not so old days, if the Pacers game was on at 7 o'clock and you were you know, at work or you were somewhere else or you were at a restaurant, you had to run home to get to the game. Now it's as simple and, and, and it's taking out your phone and saying, I can watch the game wherever I am. And it's amazing the clarity. We all remember when Internet you know, streaming would buffer and it was terrible to watch and impossible to connect. It's crystal clear and beautiful now. And so we just got to work through this transition, work, and, and you're seeing it in the marketplace, this, this enormous disruption to companies like Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery, but all these new entrants, you know, Amazon is heavily in the sports business, uh, YouTube, with an NFL, YouTube TV with an NFL package, you know, Apple has an MLS package. So that's positive. I think more technology, and at the end of the day, I'm a huge believer in the marketplace, in innovation. So content, great content will win at the end of the day, but we just got to work through this transition, keeping consumers, fans front and center and make sure there's convenient and easy ways to watch the games. Again, he is Adam Silver, Commissioner of the NBA, with us here. Commissioner, last one from me. I know there's been a lot of talk about expansion for your league and that being on on the horizon. Do you view the Pacers as a long-term tenant here in Indianapolis moving forward even after Herb uh, Simon? Yeah, I don't even... You know, I don't even want to suggest in answering the question that I even think of them as a tenant with a term. I mean, the the Pacers are Indiana's team or Indianapolis team. By the way, you know, shout out to my friend Herb Simon, who, you know, I'm never going to say is the oldest. He's the longest standing owner in the NBA at, at, you know, over 41 years of being the owner of this team. He's been the chairman of our board. He's been involved in every committee. His son Steve is involved as well as the rest of his family. He has a partner in Steve Rails, um, who's also completely committed to uh, Indianapolis and Indiana. As I said, there's a wonderful um, uh, partnership with local and state government here. This team is absolutely going nowhere. And, and also, as I said before, and this is the heartland of basketball. This city punches so far above its weight when it comes to basketball and the NBA. Commissioner, we can't thank you enough. We know you are a busy, busy man and juggling some schedules with the weather earlier this week. So thanks for making time for us. Enjoy Indy. And thank you for helping to uh, bring this great event to our city.
Yeah, thank you guys, and thanks for accommodating me and finding another spot for me this morning. Of course. That is the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, Adam Silver, right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, we about 15 seconds left. Sorry. Thank you to the <laughs> commissioner for that. I, know, I was like, are we up against 10 it? 10 seconds. Wrap it up. Bowen. That'll be on the podcast tonight. We're at the Vogue. Tomorrow, we're at the convention center. It's All Star Weekend. We cannot wait. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton signing off.